and body cams, but they don't have to be continuously switched on. About 1,400 soldiers are to lose their jobs in the latest defence cuts announced by the government. MPs will be given details by the Defence Secretary, Philip Hammond. This is the fourth round of redundancies as part of a series of cuts first announced in 2010. The size of the regular army is being reduced from 100,000 to just over 80,000. Thames Valley Police says a government grant for the coming financial year has been cut by almost twice as much as expected. It means the force will have to save an extra £2 million on top of the £10 million worth of cuts already planned. But Police and Crime Commissioner Anthony Stansfeld says it shouldn't affect the front line. Certainly not for the next two years. I very much hope after that we'll have this sorted out. But in fact, Thames Valley is one of only four police forces that have taken the very considerable cuts and has not cut the front line in any way whatsoever so far. Plans for a new sports centre in Luton have been rejected in spite of council experts recommending they should be approved. The centre in High Town would have provided cricket and basketball facilities but was deemed unnecessary by councillors. A 64-year-old woman from Bedford who's been evicted from her home for not paying council tax insists she will get her house back. Marilyn Robinson-White and her daughter, who've run up legal bills of £50,000 fighting the council, have now spent more than two weeks in a tent. She says despite more than 20 court hearings and three high court hearings, legal action will continue. There's always other court action to take. There's always court action never ceases. It could still be resolved... I'm going from here back into my home, or I'll go down with the ship. There's no other way. The weather. A band of heavy showers when we move across beds, hearts and bucks by lunchtime. Then the afternoon we'll have sunny spells and a few showers with a high of 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about. I'm afraid I just can't tell you what it is. There's no, there's no menu. Where, where's the menu? In the menu bit. Um, let me look at menu. No, not there. Um, no, no. Mum's done it. No, Mum's not done it. Mum's not done. Where is it? By the way, Kelly Betts just swore she owes you fifty p. It's in the eight o'clock menu. Eight Thank you very much. Right. Stop, stop not doing your job. Believable, right? I've put it in the six now. All right, thank you. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, including it's finally happening. There were times we thought it never would, but it is. Children's A&E services are back up and running as of today in Bedford Hospital. I thought I'd add the Bedford Hospital bit just so people knew what hospital it was we were talking about. Well, A&E services in Bedford could only be at the hospital, couldn't they? Well, if you'd mentioned the word Bedford, then then yeah, but you hadn't. Stop really? it. It's going to be this today, is it? Yeah, it is. Campaigners are calling for... Overtired. Campaigners are calling for Bedfordshire Police to, you put it there, to wear body cameras to record all interactions with the public. They say it will restore public confidence at a time when it's badly shaken. Would you have a problem with it? You probably would today. Oh. 
jog on, love. And the cycling minister doesn't see anything wrong with riding bikes on pavements. In fact, he's suggesting the police should stop fining people for it unless they do something outrageous. That's how it's written. That's how I said it. How many A's is that? Loads. About nine. Nine. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, got on his bike to conduct a controlled experiment for us yesterday. Let's see how annoyed people got with the old news bear, shall we? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. So you're right, Kelly? Yeah. Send us a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or give us a call, 08459 455. 555. Thanks very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. that perhaps some of us thought would never come. From today, children requiring emergency treatment can go to Bedford Hospital's A&E. 
Yep, it seems that services are returning to normal after a row over the amount and quality of supervision for junior doctors saw them removed from paediatrics altogether. While Diana Blackman represents patient interests as Chief Executive of Healthwatch Central, Bedfordshire. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Ian. Diana, what's your reaction to this news? I think this represents really good news for local residents in Bedfordshire, particularly those that, that are not based south of the county because they would normally have used the L&D. But for people that live in like mid-central Bedfordshire and over in the east, this is really good news for them because it means that it gives them peace of mind so that they can know they can take their children to Bedford Hospital, which is a more local hospital for them. And also it's less travelling time for the families. So it's really good news all round. If it's for overnight care or more than one night, they, they, they will be taken elsewhere, won't they? Yes, they will. If, if they do need um, more than uh, 24-hour care or an overnight stay, then they will still be transported to a neighbouring hospital. Why is that? Well, I'm, I'm sure it's because they're just making sure that they have safe services available for children and therefore if they need uh, longer-term care, um, it's easier to transport them to another hospital that can care for them appropriately there. What about the junior doctors? Because there was a problem there. What's going on now? Um, as far as I'm aware, that um, is being handled by Bedford Hospital, but you, you'd have to speak to them about that situation because they haven't really updated us on that. Uh, at the height of the upheaval, many patients feared the Riverbank Ward would close permanently. There were campaigns and Facebook groups to keep it open. Do you think its future is secure? I'm, I'm hopeful that Riverbank Ward is secure, but obviously there is a review going on at the moment, um, and obviously local people can say what they feel within that review, and, and hopefully that will keep services local to Bedford. Is the hospital back on track, Diana? I think they've been working extremely hard to ensure that those services are returned to Bedford Hospital and will continue to monitor that situation to make sure they do continue to provide a safe and secure service for children at Bedford Hospital. Diana, thank you for your time. Diana Blackman represents Patient Interests, Chief Exec of Healthwatch Central Bedfordshire, 08459 455 555. Well, it could be that Bedford Hospital is finally sorting itself out after the, the ridiculous messes last night, uh, last year, sorry. Well, we heard that, that um, people weren't answering phone calls when they should, putting children's lives at risk. Well, it looks like things might be getting sorted out.
See, I like the idea of Credence. And then I play Credence. I go, oh, yeah, no, I remember why I haven't played Credence for a long time, because they're really slow and dirgy. I like the, the, the concept of them. And I saw some footage of them last week, live, and they rocked. They really, really rocked. And I, got, I forgot that they've tricked me, basically. Oh, what a shame. It's they do shame. sound like your uh, CD plays slightly on the... It does. On the blink. Yeah, you, it, if they just... Is there, we must have a computer where we can speed that up and make it rock. What have you got there? I did that CD for you that I promised you. What CD is that? Soundtrack from Disney's Frozen. Oh, whoa! Um, what you mean is, you've bought me a copy of it. Oh, yeah. Not copied the CD, because that would be uh, illegal and pirating. Well, I'm not selling it to you. What? Yeah, I bought you one anyway, so um, okay. enjoy! There we go, excellent. Look forward to that. Kelly? Hi. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Everything looking good on the sensors at the moment, but something to watch out for later. In Elstree, the A411, that's Barnet Lane, is closed between the High Street and uh, Seasons De- Deacons Hill Road Sorry, because of roadworks that caused delays on the surrounding routes during the morning rush yesterday, so probably do the same today. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much indeed. All right, it's coming up to 6.16. It's Thursday, the, uh, the 23rd of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Children's A&E is back up and running at Bedford Hospital as of today. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for Bedfordshire Police to wear body cameras. In football, Sunderland beat Manchester United in the League Cup 2-1 after a penalty shootout. Good news for those guys there. Their mums must be very proud. 08459 455 555. BBC's Three Counties Radio. Saturday from midday, it's all about the food. It's like a disco on your tongue there. It's fantastic. <laughs> Local chefs showcasing simple, straightforward dishes you can try at home. Well, it's a dish which has been around since the 18th century. I can imagine it hot with ice cream and almost put in an ice cream. That'd be nice. This is a thick, heavy, lovely, cloying comfort food of a dessert. All mixed in with amazing stories and great music. I'll tell you what, that takes me back to my childhood, that pudding. Mm. That just transported me back to being a kid. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen, Saturdays from 12, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Go. What they do 
In their secret hideaway They tie friends and lifetime lovers They don't want to hurt the other So they love in the nighttime And shake hands in the light of day There's no peace of mind Just a longing for the way things should have been And she wonders Why some men never find That a woman needs a lover and a friend Daytime friends and nighttime lovers Hoping no one else discovers where they go they do in their secret hideaway they time friends and nighttime lovers they don't want to hurt the other so they love in the nighttime and shake hands in the light of day they time friends and nighttime lovers hoping no one else discovers where they go Secret hideaway They tie friends And lifetime lovers They don't want to hurt The other So they love In the nighttime And she can this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455, 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Now, campaigners fighting for answers following a Luton man's death in police custody believe they've made a significant step forwards uh, towards getting officers to wear body cameras. Justice for Leon formed after the death of Leon Briggs in November, and they believe that the knowledge that officers' actions and uh, conversations uh, were being recorded would reassure people, if they were being recorded, would reassure people at a time when confidence is low. Well, this week, Luton Borough Council gave cross-party support to that idea. Joined now by Michael Doherty, Director of the Accountability Campaign, Justice Now, and Liberty Louise is from Justice for Leon. Michael, nice to well, see both of you. Nice to see you Good again, morning, Michael. Good morning. What does this council support mean, Michael? I mean, obviously I'm not a Luton man and uh, I think it's absolutely historic that this decision from a unanimous decision, I mean, it's very sort of few and far between times when you get cross-political support Mm. for an idea. That's Lib Dems, Conservatives and and, uh, Labour. We were there at the council meeting and I I think it's real to see democracy in action that this community-led initiative, Leon's Law, was implemented by the council and sort of unanimously voted upon that they support... Do you want me to read out for your listeners what the, the council's actually... Yep, go on, guess, yes. What they've actually uh, voted for is that the... OK. The council supports in principle the immediate introduction of all police for all police constables to wear body-worn video equipment, which is to be activated during all arrests, detentions or use of force, that further believes that since police officers cannot predict how any conversation with a member of the public will progress, that the victim that the equipment should be activated at the commencement of any such conversation. So, Leon's law is about removing the discretion for police officers wearing body-worn cameras to build back up that confidence uh, between the public and the police. Um, Liberty, were you surprised last last night to get such an overwhelming support? Um, To be honest with you, I think it was the only logical conclusion to a problem that has been ongoing, not just in Leon Briggs's case, but obviously 
you know, since 1969, the amount of deaths in custody. Um, sometimes the police are the only witnesses to these events. So, therefore, it was the only logical and reasonable, um, you know, solution to the problem. But it was very encouraging to get all cross-party support. Do you think if uh, police had been wearing cameras, would that have made a difference uh, in Leon's case? Um, absolutely. Uh, they had to call in about 60-odd witnesses, um, you know, for different times and stages of the arrest and restraint. Now, if the cameras were worn, all of that would be recorded. There was five officers involved in that case. Now, say, for instance, one officer's camera wasn't working or they were faced the other way. Surely the other officers would have been able to take that mm. evidence down you know, by camera all, as well. You've got all bases covered. Absolutely. They're all yeah. wearing it. Yeah. Michael, the thing is, that the, 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 success last night for you, but what does it actually mean? They can't compel the police, can they? to wear cameras. No, I mean, but I think that the, the sort of the democratic will of Luton has been expressed explicitly now in that decision. Um, obviously, there'll be no, no negotiations with Bedfordshire Police in relation to the implementation of it. But in addition to that, um, we'll be meeting with Kelvin Hopkins, who has already given indications that he also supports it to put a private bill through Parliament mm. to try and implement this nationwide. Now, if this rolls out Leon's law nationwide, obviously we intend that Bedfordshire will implement it and we'll be pushing for that, and I'm sure the council will be supportive of that. But if this rolls out nationwide... I think it's going to make a massive uh, difference. When Glenn Jenkins was on your radio station just a few weeks ago, mm. and he's saying that even about those very low-level interactions, when the police are meeting with members of the public, hopefully it's going to change the relationship between the police and mm. the public. Now, Leon's Law, some of the, the figures in there, on American um, use of body-worn cameras during these situations, complaints against the police went down by 88%. Use of force went down by 60%. Mm. So there's a marked difference and change in the behaviour of police with, when it, during every interaction. That 88% down in complaints against police could be that those people don't make false accusations against police officers, so it's beneficial to them. But it all, also could be that people don't have a f need to complain because the interaction's like conducted mm. professionally mm. And, and, and hopefully... This is going to be beneficial not only for the public but for the police. I, I think it's a no-brainer, and I'm really pleased that it's been supported. <laughs> Liberty, what about the costs? The costs, police cutbacks, Absolutely. they're having to save millions of yeah. pounds. This is going to cost quite a bit of money, isn't it? Um, they've already done a trial of this in Staffordshire, um, and the figure was probably about £300,000. When you put that into comparison with the amount of money that are spent on police complaints, on investigations and on inquests, and also false allegations and complaints mm. against the police, when you weigh up those costs, you know, it, it balances out at the end of the day. So it's, it's a clear, reasonable exchange of mm. costing in well, terms of... It, well, importantly, cost. actually, in, on the cost point there isn't actually a cost to it because body worn cameras will be coming for the police mm. but the issue is that they were the, the, the police have obviously been very supportive police federation also that they're going to bring them in they are coming the, the public are going to pay for these devices but they wanted to have discretion that the police officer could choose when and when he wouldn't switch it off right our concerns would be that if they have that discretion if an interaction happens that the police want to conceal, um, I know lots of cases, particularly deaths in custody, where CCTV disappears, wasn't working and stuff like that. If you have that discretion, it puts in that grey area, was it working at the time or wasn't it? Material won't be disclosed. And on that point, um, I think we're in a really quite historic time with police change in this country. Um, not l Last week there was a Sky News survey. One of the questions for that Sky News survey was, do you believe that the police have a culture of cover-up? 
Remar remarkably, 52% of respondents in that survey um, said that they do believe that police have a culture of cover-up and only 18% of the res respondents said they th that there is no culture of cover-up. Mm. I mean, when you've got that volume of people saying there are concerns with the police covering up, um, you know, this, this is something has to change. Liberty, do you think mm. that, that something like this uh, could help restore faith? In the police Absolutely, force. and I think that's one of the key issues, particularly uh, within the Luton community after the death in custody. Um, it's at an all-time low. There's a complete erosion of trust and confidence in the police, um, and it would be beneficial to the community and the police if we had that, you know, for instance, if you're stopped by a police officer and you know a camera's on, the public is going to maybe their behaviour towards the police will change, but also the police's mm. behaviour towards the public will change if you're being watched you behave better. Mm. That's just human nature. That's how we are. If we're not being watched, we can not get away with anything. But, you know, we can, you know, you know, you know you're not going to be accountable. So it brings in accountability. Success last night. What happens now? Where do you go with this next? Right. OK, what will happen now is um, I'm attending a meeting today, which is a community and police meeting. Um, and I'm going to be quite uh, determined in asking for a date of when there's possible implementation. Now, when you say quite determined, how determined yes. are you going to be? Um, abs abs You're not going until you get a date, are you? Well, um, I, I understand that they'll probably talk about trials, but in, um, from my point of view, the research and the data has already been collected. With other research studies, uh, Bedfordshire Police are already doing a trial, um, so they have that data. So uh, with the backing of the local authority, obviously, um, I'll be asking for a date of implementation. And if the date can't be given, then I will be asking maybe in two to three weeks, can you actually give me that date? Mm. So I can then go back to the community to say, you know, there's not going to be a delay in this process. This is something that we need to do. Any kind of delay in the process means a possible another death in custody and the community aren't willing to accept that. So, Michael, you, you, you seem determined this is going to happen. When do you think this could potentially become a reality? Um, obviously, I, my understanding is Bedfordshire Police are already trialling cam body-worn cameras, so you know the, the equipment's already there. So I, I, they could, if they have the will behind it, if they support the democratic will of the Luton um, Council, then I'm sure they could implement it very, very quickly. But in terms of, I think your listeners should be sort of, I'm sure some might be concerned about, you know, people are concerned about CCTV and surveillance mm -hmm. and that type of thing. Um, the part of Leon's laws also has brought in the um, solicitor firm Bimberg Pierce, who are massive, mm. um, respected civil liberties um, solicitors firm in London, um, to do a civil liberties review on this to ensure that people have the peace of mind that this isn't going to turn into some massive surveillance database. Mm. Yeah, that this is only going to be used for evidential purposes if something happens. So if there's a complaint or if there was a, a it was needed in the use of it in a criminal trial, that data will be that, that video footage would be retained. Mm -hmm. If it's not, it's going to be destroyed so it doesn't become that massive surveillance database, which would be a concern. And organizations uh, I can't say that Big Brother Watch, who are quite a big sort of uh, in the field of we often CCTV. I'm not saying that they are supportive of it, but they are currently, I would say, moderately supportive of it, which is quite interesting yeah. that when they're very anti-CCTV, that they're thinking actually this particular type of video footage is actually going to be very beneficial. Mm for the public. Listen, we have to end it at time. Michael, okay. thank you so much. Pleasure. Liberty, I really appreciate yeah, you coming in. You I know it's much. a ridiculous time in the morning, <laughs> isn't it? But thank you very much. Go back to bed. Yes, go on. 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things starting to look busy now in Brickett Wood. The heavy on the north orbital at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. In Tiddington, Sandy Lane is closed between Oxford Road and Old London Road because of flooding. On public transport, Piccadilly Line have severe delays between Uxbridge and Acton Town after a signalling failure at Ealing Common. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. At 6.30, I'm Jane Killick. Children requiring emergency treatment can now go to Bedford Hospital's A&E as services begin to return to normal. Since the closure of the paediatric unit last year, children have had to be taken to Milton Keynes or Luton and Dunstable hospitals. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for all police officers in Bedfordshire to wear body cameras. A campaign group formed after the death of a Luton man in police custody says it's an historic moment. A 64-year-old woman from Bedford who's been evicted from her home for not paying council tax insists she will get her house back. Marilyn Robinson-White and her daughter, who've run up legal bills of £50,000 fighting the council, have now spent more than two weeks in a tent. The weather, a band of heavy showers will arrive during the morning but will leave by afternoon to give a mix of sunny spells and showers and a high today of 8 Celsius. On to sport and we start with football. Manchester United's poor season got even worse last night as Sunderland won an almost comical penalty shootout to secure a League Cup final place against Manchester City at Wembley. United won the game 2-1 after extra time at Old Trafford, sending the tie to penalties. It was down to United's Brazilian fullback Rafael. This has to be scored by Rafael, the young Brazilian fullback. He should be good. He's saved by Manoni and Sunderland are through to the Capital One Cup final at Wembley. United missed four of their five penalties to hand Sunderland a date with Manchester City at Wembley on March the 2nd. In tennis, the first of the men's semi-finals gets underway this morning in the Australian Open. The eighth seed, Thomas Burdick, faces Stanislas Warinka, who beat Novak Djokovic in the last round. The winner of that match will play the world number one, Rafael Nadal, or Roger Federer in the final. It's the second one-day international as England and Australia continue to test the women's ashes in Melbourne. Australia won the toss and chose to bat, and a short while ago they were 184 for two after 39 overs. Nicole Bolton is currently on 108. She now has the highest score made by an Australian woman on their one-day debut. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! I'm feeling it this morning, Catherine. Stop it. I'm so tired. Oh. Really? No. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm feeling very tired today. So am I. Oh, what's Should happened? Should we just sack this off and have a sleep? Do what? Can you, have you got a long song? Um, 2.42. That's not going to be long enough. We'll, we'll play another one. a 20-minuter. <laughs> Apparently the um, pr- proper time for a power nap is two hours or 20 minutes. Four hours? I'd take four hours.
So, uh, uh, most 60s pop stars hate Dave Clark. Why? Why? He's a miserable old so-and-so, apparently. I, I say most. I've just read the excellent, excellent Graham Nash autobiography. He'll Crosby, Stills and Nash and the Hollies. Uh, and he's really, really rude about Dave Clark. I remember I read another rock biography recently. I can't remember who, but they're also really rude about Dave Clark. Basically, you're saying he's a miserable, arrogant so-and-so. Yeah, but he's not being paid to be nice, is he? Is he he's dead? paid to do classic tracks. Is he dead, Dave Clark? Don't know. Um, I'm sure he, we'll find out soon he, when his lawyers get in touch. I know. Can you... you yes. He bought... Um, Ready, steady, go. The, all of the all of the uh, catalogues of Ready, steady, oh, go. Here we Sorry, go. What? That's Kelly's what I was piped up. Before. I thought he bought music video. You said he bought music video. I said you mean Ready, steady, go. You said no music videos. He bought Ready, steady, go, and a few years ago, Channel Four would repeat episodes of Ready, steady, go, but they'd be really Dave Clark Five heavy. There'd be like a Dave Clark Five song in the middle, Dave Clark Five song at the start, and a Dave Clark Five song at the end. Why he not? basically, well, he re-edited Ready, steady, go to make him look like he was the most important musical force of the 60s. Is he the Dave Clark off of Dave Clark and Son Plumbing in Leicestershire that's popped up when I searched his name? Give him, give him a call and find out. Shall I? Yeah. All right. Nice one. We'll have Dave Clark on the show this morning. There we go. Uh, Catherine has joined me in my studio to look through the newspapers. If I you have. want to take part, 08459 455 555. What you got? Lots of talk about the Liberal Democrats and who may or may not have done stuff to other people. Oh uh, there's talk of Ian Brady being in hospital with a broken hip after... That serves him right. Hang him. We should let him starve. What are we paying for, blooming hell? There is a story... Herald! There's a story here about Kira Knightley being told to stop doing that face. OK, sorry, when we do the paper review... Don't just skim through them. Stop. Land on I the am, story. I am landing somewhere. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just going into the paper. I'm taking you on a an audio journey through wow. the Daily Mail. Okay? Blimey, yeah. So now... Page 27. Sto- Anger over dulled it, quote-unquote, promotes anorexia. Was oh, this the story that was in The Express yesterday? It is. This okay. Is, this is a doll made by the Spanish company Nanuco. Nanuco! They've been making dolls for years and years, and they're quite Dollmakers. sweet little baby faces, Beautiful. unlike some of the scary ones you can get who look like Dr. Evil. Hamble. Anyway, we've got a lot of dolls at home. I know, I know dolls. Um, right, doll. so this, this doll turns its head away when offered food, like a child does. That's not, why, and that's promoting anorexia, Apparently, is because it? it's refusing food. But what? that's what children do. I don't see... I think we might be reading a bit too much into it's, this. It, hang on. So if you've ever had kids and you've tried to feed a baby or a toddler in a high chair, that's constantly what they do, and you're constantly shoving it in their cheek or in their eye. You've got to hold it. One parent holds their head and prizes the jaw open, (laughs) and the other one um, shoves the food in. Now, we find what happens is distraction. Oh, what's that over there? Yeah, Yeah, because you make a big deal out of it, it just becomes worse. It becomes a game. So, who is angry over this doll? Uh, Where it says anger over doll. Who is angry over this doll? Young Minds, Chris Lehman. Uh, young minds. This doll sends the wrong message to children and encourages them to think that refusing food is normal behaviour. What is Young Minds? Um, and can we get them on the show? We can. The charity Beat, which campaigns on anorexia and bulimia, says research shows young children are becoming aware of body image at a much right. earlier age. That's not speaking about the doll, is a it? A doll that refuses food is hardly a good example. Young, are we young, copying dolls? Young Minds, Child and Adolescent Mental Health. Get that person on the phone. I'll, I'll give them a ring. Give them a ring. Um, but there is an award for the toy. Ridiculous. And this, this, this kind of annoys me more, this toy. Yeah. 
See if you agree. Go. A cuddly toy designed to overcome children's darkest fears by eating their worries has been named Toy of the Year. Children are encouraged to write down or draw a picture of the thing that upset them huh? and put them into the worry eater's mouth, which is then zipped shut. It looks like a sort of sock monkey type thing with a zip. Well, that looks like a great way of getting rid of evidence, doesn't it? For um, How about you talk to your children? How about you encourage them to talk to you instead of sticking their troubles in a pillowcase? It's a lot of hard work, though, that talking stuff. I thought that was part of the deal. No, it's uh, hard work. Uh, the uh, lovers, the young lovers... That ran away. That ran away. To the Dominican Republic. Mum's restaurant blast at Runaways. The mum of boarding school runaway, Eddie Bunyan, has told him and his sweetheart, you're not lovers, you're laughingstocks. I imagine both of those things are, are, are untrue. They probably are lovers. Laughingstocks to who? They're heroes, aren't they? I'm not encouraging or condoning, but really, we're all slightly jealous of them. You're going to run away together. They did it large, didn't they? Furious Susanna Bunyan laid into her 16-year-old son and Indira uh, Ganyeva, 17, at a restaurant. I would suggest that, that the parents are more of the laughing stock, that they uh, allowed this to happen, that they had the means and the wherewithal. Where have the kids gone? I don't know. Oh, well, fa- oh, credit card's gone missing, doesn't matter. Oh, hang on, they're in the Caribbean. They're the laughing stock, aren't they? Eddie bowed his head in shame as Susanna, 56, told them off over a pepperoni pizza meal in the Dominican Republic. Oh, so they're still out there? They're still out there, yeah. They've not That's brought them home. That's the most of it. Dear me. Hey, listen, we've got a big day ahead of us. Yes, we have. We're um, teaching kids why they shouldn't get involved with radio. <laughs> How old are these kids? Like six, seven? No, they're at the University of Bedfordshire. What? Yeah. I thought it was a primary school. No, 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 no. These are proper grown-up people. Oh, flipping it. Yeah, they're not going to fall for your old tricks. I was going to do some card tricks and stuff. I was going to um, make a hanky change colour. You could still try that. Why do they want us in there? What do we know about radio? Well, put it this way, they're comparing us to Radio 4. It's a bit like Wife Swap and we're not the posh ones. They, oh gosh, they have, is this right? They've been listening to James Nocty on, um, was it the Today Show? Mm-hmm. The, 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 on Radio 4. Mm-hmm. And they've been listening to us. Like both ends of the spectrum. Somewhere in the middle is heart. Can you believe that? Uh, and they've been listening to us. And now we have to go in and it's going to be like the Hague War trials or something, isn't it? We'll be made to sit there and just face accusations about why we're so shoddy. Mm. I have no advice to give to them, except don't do it. Go and get a proper job. Kelly has advice. She just put her hand up. Yes, Kelly. That's my uni. So when you go in there, just think that everyone's like me. Oh, oh right. Gosh. We'll be all right then. Be fine. What advice should, should we give them, Kels? Um, never eat anything from a listener. OK, that's... that's <laughs> That is the best advice you could have, isn't it? 08459 oh, four double five five double five. What advice can we give these young people today? We've got a clue. So tired, tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. So tired, tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. I was alone. Nobody till I met you But you keep me waiting All of the time What can I do? It's your life And you can do what you want Do what you like But please don't keep me
Yeah, yeah. More bands should sing songs about themselves. So who have we got that sing songs about themselves? The Monkeys. Hey, hey, we're the Monkeys. The Banana Splits. The Banana Splits. Um, Wham did the Wham rap. Did they make... Was it about them? Yeah. Was it? We should play that. All right, we'll play it. Um, What other bands have done songs about... The Beatles kind of alluded to themselves about uh, the walrus was Paul and things like that. But bands should do... Didn't Madness do a song about themselves? Madness... Madness, they call it madness. I think it might be about that madness, was, That though. was about, actually about mental illness, I think. And that was just them trying to, an ill-advised attempt to uh, bring... They were ahead of their time, yeah. really, about 20 in years many, ahead of their time. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Let's get the news. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 London bound, there's been an accident between 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead and looking slow on the approach there. The N25 anti-clockwise heavy going now between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. On public transport, the Piccadilly line have severe delays between Uxbridge and Uckton Town after a signalling failure. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alice. Big up yourself, Joe. Oh, big up yourself, Ian. What you got for us, sir? You got some news? Yes, the B656 um, from Hitchin to Collicop. Um, there's been an accident. A car has hit the traffic island in the middle and is in a, in a very bad way. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, um, oh dear. I, I, I predict, knowing this to be a, a major cut through, that road is going to get very busy very shortly. Joe, let's hope no one's uh, seriously injured. Thank you very much. 6.46... It's uh, Thursday the 23rd of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Children's A&E is back up and running at Bedford Hospital as of today. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for Bedfordshire police to wear body cameras. In football, Sunderland beat Manchester United in the League Cup 2-1 after a penalty shootout. Coming up, we'll hear Paul Scoynes riding a bicycle on the pavement and also getting your tips on what Catherine and I can... We've got to teach young people today. What on earth... What are we going to say to them? We haven't got a clue. 08459 455 555. Before that, here's the weather. It's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hi, very good morning to you. It's quite chilly actually across the three counties. Some parts uh, down to between one and three degrees. Some mist patches around as well. It will be dry through the morning rush hour and then gradually we've got a band of showers pushing in from the west. This uh, These showers could turn out to be quite heavy, perhaps thundery in places with some squally gusts of wind as well. So a bit of wet weather on its way. Uh, it will last for probably around one or two hours before pushing off to the east, so not lasting too long. And then by lunchtime it's a much drier picture and we'll see 
uh, some good spells of sunshine this afternoon as well. Top temperatures of probably around 6 or 7 degrees, which is 45 in Fahrenheit. Overnight tonight, it's going to get quite chilly. Clear skies will see a touch of ground frost, if not perhaps a little bit of air frost in the rural spots as well with light winds. Clear skies, all of that. But then as we head towards dawn tomorrow, things will cloud over now. I think it's going to be quite a grey, cloudy day for most of the day tomorrow. And eventually we're going to see some outbreaks of light and patchy rain pushing from the west as well. And that will just keep going on and off through the course of the afternoon, if not the late part of the morning as well. So a little bit of wet weather to come again tomorrow. That system clearing on Saturday. Saturday, some showers around. Quite a cool, blustery day leading to another frosty night on Saturday into Sunday. And then on Sunday, we've got a weather warning out for some heavy rain and some strong winds. So a stormy end to the weekend. That's the forecast. There's magic. Hey, presto! And then there's the magic of the FA Cup. It's a great draw for us. It's a way that the football community can connect with Stevenage again. On Saturday, two of our local teams hope to pull a win out of the hat against Premier League opposition. Come and go finish. Yes, he can! Up first, it's Watford's trip to free-scoring Manchester City. By Stevenage at home to Everton in the late kickoff. And Charles rolls the ball into the net. Everton lead by two goals to nil. Hear both games live this Saturday from two here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, just, 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 girls, please calm down. I know we're all tense. It's day three of Swearbox Day. We'll have an update a little bit later on. Boy, oh boy, Justin, I, I suggest you go and speak to your bank manager soon. Catherine, you asked for a specific song. What song did you ask for? Wham Rap by Wham. Okay. We then spent the whole time that Alice was doing the travel and uh, Elizabeth was doing the weather. Let's recreate that conversation. Kelly, Wham Rap, please. What? Wham Rap, please. I don't know what you're saying. Wham Rap, please. Is that a song? Yes. You want me to get it? Yes. Who's it by? It's by Wham. And what's it called? Wham Rap. So I've got it. I haven't listened to it. Oh. I don't know Wham. What? You know, I know Wham, but I don't know their whole back catalogue. I don't know if they're a sweary bunch. I don't know if they've released a metal song. I have no idea what this sounds like. So if there's any swearing, I do not take any responsibility. Uh, swearing? Just what? in case, you never know. It's, it's, wha- it's Wham Rap. This is it's the most Michael. vanilla of white boy rapping you will ever hear. The fact hear. they've called it rap yeah. kind of gives away the, you know, what they're... It's Wham Rap. Right. Did you have a listen?
good wasn't it <laughs> Kelly did you love it did you love it I think I prefer the singing nun <laughs> I'm so out of breath now what have you two been doing in there this <laughs> so out of breath we really shouldn't dance that energetically before no, seven not at our ages Whoa. talking about bands that sing about themselves S Club 7 and the Mamas and the Papas we've got those <laughs> so tired now listen, let, let's let's. It was the lunges that did fear. Man alive! How do they do that for for an hour and a half? Sometimes two hours. These pop singers. Anyway, on to more serious things. Cycling Minister Robert Goodwill wants the streets to be filled with bikes, and if the roads are too dangerous, we should we should be able to ride on the pavement. He thinks. He's suggesting the police should stop fining cyclists as a matter of course, and instead use their discretion. But are our pavements big enough for all of us? <laughs> I don't know, but I know a man who uh, might. Who's that? He, it's Paul Scoynes. He's our political reporter and resident lycra-lout. OK, I've just picked up my colleague's bike. It's got one flat-back tyre, um, but it is an off-road bike, and that's appropriate because I am going to be cycling off-road, but on the pavement, which is, as a cyclist, it's one of the most annoying things... Uh, I see on a regular basis, I cycle on the road. Um, I don't like cycling on the pavement, unless it's in somewhere like Milton Keynes. Anyway, I'm now cycling down from the station towards the town centre. This wheel's a bit wobbly, to be honest. So I'm just going to make a real nuisance of myself now and cycle onto the pavement behind about four people. There's a lady with a pram. God, I feel awful about this. Excuse me, sorry, can I just get past? That's quite annoying, isn't it, as a cyclist? Do you not think that's quite an annoying thing for cyclists to do? Yeah, it is a bit annoying. It's better to be on the cycle lane. Yeah. That should be better. So I should really be on, on the road rather than the pavement, exactly. shouldn't I? 
Uh, I'm cycling now down towards Luton. It's a very busy street. The street is probably only about two metres, maybe about sort of uh, six foot wide, so not a lot of space. There's people walking three or four abreast, people coming in and out of shops. I've got a gentleman here. Sir, can I just ask you a question? Do you cycle on the pavement as a cyclist? Not on... uh, I do do that, but I would normally be on the road most of the time, but I have been on the pavement, yes. Do you get funny looks when you you go on the pavement? Does it annoy pedestrians? Yeah, because you shouldn't be on it. No, it's... uh, They're telling you to go on the road. I think... It could be right, but obviously there's a safety part about it. All right, thanks for chatting. No problem, mate. Cheerio. Okay, I'm going to cycle back up the same road I came in on. Sorry, sir. You all right? Am I, am I being annoying by cycling on the pavement? No, 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 no. Not at all? Right. Are you happy no. with that? Um, I, I see it all the time, so it doesn't bother me, but I was in the Arndale one day, in amongst all the crowds, and a bike came flying through. Now, that's a bit different. In the Arndale centre itself? In the inside, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But I had to jump out of his way, but anyway, no, no, it doesn't bother me. Do you think that, I mean, the government are going to say that uh, more people should be allowed to cycle on the pavement? They're going to, uh, no, should, we should be more lenient about uh, it? Yeah, I think so, because there's no cycle tracks, is there? I mean, I'm a cyclist, so I know what the feeling is, but... I used to come down the town on my bike, but I can't anymore because all the road problems around, you can't make it, you know. So I don't come down anymore, I come on the bus, but no, no, it's it's fine. But it's the best exercise for you. Do you enjoy cycling? Yeah, I do. Uh, It helps my legs because I'm 90 now. Goodness me. (laughs) How far do you go? I don't go far now, only up to the shops and and back, you know. Good for you. If I'm in a hurry. And do you cycle on the pavement when you go? No, no. You go on the road? I go on the road, yeah. you have, have you got a helmet? Yes, got a helmet, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Yeah, thank you very much. Go well. Bye-bye. 90 years old and still using his bike. What an inspiration. Right. I think I've annoyed enough people today. I'm going to go onto the road. Go well, fair traveller, go well. That's Paul Scoyne's annoying people. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do you think? Do you agree with these? The, there's a cycling minister. Wow, what a cushy job. Do you agree with the cycling minister Robert Goodwill that people should be allowed to cycle on the pavements, or do you think, oh no, what an absolute nightmare? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. Um, let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 London bound is completely blocked after an accident between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Uh, traffic's being held by police there at the moment, so traffic is stationary on the approach. We had a call in from Joe going between Hitchin and Caldicott on the B656. There's an accident partially blocking the road. And the M25 anti-clockwise slow going between 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Lots of tweets about bands that sing about themselves. Uh, five, Motorhead, Talk Talk, the Spice Girls, of course. They're always banging on about themselves. 08459 455 555. We can talk about bands that sing about themselves, but also cyclists on the pavement. Yay or nay? Go well. 
local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, children's services returning to normal at Bedford Hospital. Luton Council backs calls for police to wear body cameras. An evicted Bedford woman still living in a tent after two weeks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Children requiring emergency treatment can now go to Bedford Hospital's A&E as services begin to return to normal. Since the closure of the paediatric unit last year, children have had to be taken to Milton Keynes or Luton and Dunstable Hospitals. Diana Blackman represents patients interests as Chief Executive of Health Watch Central Bedfordshire. It gives them peace of mind so that they can know they can take their children to Bedford Hospital, which is a more local hospital for them, and also it's less travelling time for the families. So it's really good news all round. The National Audit Office says hospital waiting time figures in England can't be relied upon because of errors and inconsistencies in the way they're compiled. It says this means patients can't compare the performances of different hospital trusts when they're deciding where to go for treatment. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for all police officers in Bedfordshire to wear body cameras. The force is already trialling body cams, but they don't have to be continuously switched on. The Justice for Leon campaign group was formed after the death of Luton man Leon Briggs in police custody. Liberty Louise is from Justice for Leon and says it was encouraging to get cross-party support for their proposal. I think it was the only logical conclusion to a problem that has been ongoing, not just in Leon Briggs's case, but obviously... You know, since 1969, the amount of deaths in custody. Sometimes the police are the only witnesses to these events. So, therefore, it was the only logical and reasonable solution to the problem. Plans for a new sports centre in Luton have been rejected, in spite of council experts recommending they should be approved. The centre in Hightown would have been provided cricket and basketball facilities, but was deemed unnecessary by councillors. Around 1,400 soldiers will lose their jobs in the latest round of redundancies. They're part of the defence cuts which will reduce the regular army from 100,000 to just over 80,000 soldiers. A 64-year-old woman is still camping outside the bottom of her garden after being evicted from her home in Bedford more than two weeks ago for not paying council tax. Marilyn Robinson-White and her daughter, who have run up legal bills of £50,000, insist the council have made a mistake. Tony Fisher reports. Bedford Borough Council says Mrs Robinson-White's council tax arrears dates back to 2006 and amounts to over £5,000. It doesn't accept claims by the 64-year-old that it's made clerical errors, but says she didn't fill out the paperwork correctly. It says there's no reason for them to be sleeping in a tent on waste ground and they continue to offer help and advice. In football, Manchester United crashed out of the League Cup at the semi-final stage after a penalty shootout defeat to Sunderland last night. The weather, a band of heavy showers will move across beds, hearts and bucks by lunchtime. Then the afternoon will have sunny spells and a few showers with a high of 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Jane. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday morning between six and nine. If you want to get in touch, I'll give you the phone number soon. You can give us a call about anything you want, but here are some of the things we're talking about. Children's A&E services are back up and running at Bedford as of today. Now what we need is for them to offer overnight care and we'll be almost convinced this wasn't all part of a shady plan to close the children's ward altogether. 
campaigners are calling for Bedfordshire police to wear body cameras to record all interactions with the public. They say it will restore public confidence at a time when it's been badly shaken. What do you think? And the cycling minister, there's a cycling minister, doesn't see anything wrong with riding bikes on pavements. In fact, he's suggesting the police should stop fining people for it unless they do something outrageous. Well, what do you think? Bikes on pavements, really? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or, this is the best way of doing it, isn't it? Give me a phone call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. We are, Catherine and I, um, are known for our intellect, our witty banter, um, and the fact that we don't mind doing things for free. And we've been invited to, where are we going today? To the University of Bedfordshire. Luton Campus. Excellent. Big up to the Luton Campus. Big it up, big it up, big style. And and we're using street language so that when we turn up, they'll think we're hepcats. Yes, and down in that. Yeah, we're going to be down. Um, so they want us to talk about. Uh, I don't. I don't. They want us to talk about radio. They want to talk about you. They've been listening to the program and comparing it to Radio Four. <laughs> oh, I'm so. I'm so sorry, young people of Luton. That that's Why been... are you dressed like a burglar today? Well, me. I don't think it's going to go down well with the students. What, uh, in what? In what? Why am I wearing... When do burglars wear um, fashionable tops from The Gap they bought five years ago? It's funny that normally you dress like a student, but today of all days you're you're going for dressed like a burglar. I'm not dressed like a burglar. I'm wearing my blue jeans. You're dressed like the the burglar off of McDonald's. (laughs) Hamburglar. Hamburglar. I don't look anything like Hamburglar. If you had the hat, you would. I don't look... You're saying I haven't got the mask, I haven't got the hat, I haven't got the sack of burgers that he's hamburgled. Don't look like Hamburglar. I'm wearing a a striped jersey. Like the Hamburglar. What's happened to Hamburglar? I think and it, Mr. I, Grimace. I think if, Hamburglar. If you're listening, I wait four five nine no. four double five five double five. I think uh, Hamburglar Operation U Tree. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, no, not at all. I think he did get busted for stealing, but uh, there, there were enough. There was enough evidence to send him away for a very long time yeah, for, for burgling those hams. Now, listen. More importantly, they want to talk about the radio. Um, what I have no idea what we can say to them. It is good. You go and do things and play records. What? You, yeah, hello. what you could do, Ian, yes. is in your head you could be training up your next producer. Because, let's face it, me and Kath are probably going to be out of here soon. Well, if those there's complaints... Only, there's only so much we can put up If those complaints are finally listened to, then yes, you so will be So you gone. could be offering advice to a potential future producer. Oh, dear. So write down all the things you expect from them. A cup and of coffee. A cup of coffee. Tea. No, I was asking for a cup of coffee now, please. Oh, all right, so yeah, get on that. Nice. Well, let's. Ja- Posh Janet's on the line. Morning, Posh Janet. Good morning. Oh. Uh, now, Janet, what, uh, you, you've got some tips on what we can talk about today. I don't. I just have some suggestions. Okay. Because I am assuming you're meeting students who are doing media studies? Possibly. So, therefore, they will be able to talk in complete sentences uh, yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Now, Three Counties Radio is the only station, as opposed to Radio 4, that will accept people like me talking to them. So I suggest you say to those students, you ask us the questions, and we will show you how we answer them on radio. Oh, I see. So they're basically I'm putting the responsibility yes. on them. Yes. Oh! Now, if they can't ans- ask you yeah. sensible questions... You can't give them 
sensible answers. And if they can't ask sensible questions, they don't deserve sensible answers. They don't deserve to work in the radio. And if they can't speak in complete sentences, they don't deserve to have radio airtime anyway. Ah, that would learn them, wouldn't it? Yes. That's, a, that's an excellent idea, Janet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go. Excellent idea. We get them to do the work. Yeah, thanks for joining us. That's an excellent idea. How many of them will there be there? Loads. Oh. I have no idea. Excellent. I'm imagining 30. I um, once handed out awards at the National Student Radio Awards or the National Radio Student Awards or the Student National Radio Awards or something like that. Some radio awards for students. That's it. And I handed out awards. It was only a heat. It wasn't the main thing. And they got in for that, Paxman? Th- yeah, I think they did, actually. Or Bacon. <laughs> so I was handing out these awards. It was all very well behaved. And I said, right, I work... This is when I worked at a really big station, OK? Before, you know, the downfall. W- well, kind of midway through the downfall. Towards the end of the downfall. At the start of the downfall. It was, it was a long downfall. And I said, right, if you want to... Who wants to come and spend a night do it with me at my show? Whoa, you said that to students. At the show. Right. It was a light, nighttime show. Come, yo, yes, please. We'd l- right, first person to run up to the stage and touch my foot. <laughs> Can do it. <laughs> there was a mass throng. One kid smacked his face on a bar. Oh, don't do that then. That, you're saying that's a bad idea. I was saying... I was using that as an example of what we could do. OK. No? Should we try something that's a bit less hazardous? I think we like, may have... Like... A-level results or something. Oh, dearie me. 08459 455 555. Any tips? Anyway, on to slightly more serious things. It seems that things are finally getting back to normal at Bedford Hospital. After the removal of junior doctors from paediatrics, children's casualty and overnight care has been provided by neighbouring hospitals. But, but, as of today, if you need an ambulance for your child, it will take you to A&E in Bedford. Anne Murray is the Director of Quality and Safety at Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group and joins me now. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. Uh, It's been a long time coming. Lots of people thought this day would never come. It's an exciting day for Bedford Hospital, isn't it? It is. It is really good news for children and families in Bedford. And um, we're we're really delighted that we can announce this news today. But it has, uh, you know, it's represented a lot of hard work um, from ourselves at the Clinical Commissioning Group, but also working with the Ambulance Trust and the hospital to get to this point. What exactly, what's better now than it was before? What have they managed to sort out? What, what we've now got, um, I mean, we're very confident about the staff, both the nursing and the paediatrician levels that we've got now, but we've now got a pathway where it's consultant-led and children are really seen very early with a really clear plan and assessed and those plans implemented. So actually what we've got is very short stays for children um, and really the appropriate care being given. So we're seeing a really new model of care for um, uh, paediatric services, which is great news. Overnight care, though, still being farmed out to neighbouring hospitals. Why is that and and when will that end? Well, to be clear, actually children do stay overnight. The the, the principle is that... um, we're wanting short stay. So what we're not saying is that children have to then leave overnight. So the short stay will include overnight. What we're saying is the longer, more acute pathways, children still will be transferred. And actually, children in Bedford have always been transferred to other hospitals for more acute stay. So that will be the final decision um, in relation to that, those longer um, acute pathways. The, uh, the Riverside Ward. Is it Riverside Riverbank? Riverbank. I always, I always get, the, get it wrong yeah. first time around. What's happening with the Riverbank Ward? Well, the Riverbank Ward has been used for the, the short-stay assessment unit. So the children's assessment unit is there and the GP referral. So the ward is actually being used and this assessment unit. So there are children there on that unit at the moment. 
How do you feel about the way the hospital management is dealing with this? They were severely criticised by the CQC last year, weren't they? they? Were, is yeah. Leadership, is it still weak? I think since that time, we've certainly done a lot of work with them, and, and certainly over the paediatrics, we work with them on a daily basis. We have daily teleconferences, which include all the other surrounding hospitals and the ambulance trust, and the hospital has been very engaged with us. And in relation to the CQC work as well, we've, we've worked very closely with them, and they have very much engaged with us, and, um, you know, we've really seen the positive outcomes during this period of time. A lot of people have lost faith in Bedford Hospital. We know of at least one incident where a child's life was put at risk for whatever reasons. There, there are possibly more. How will people get faith back in a hospital? Um, it, the people attending the hospital now um, are saying very positive things. If we put it back in context of the um, paediatric unit, the feedback we're getting from families is very positive. And again, one of the areas that we monitor is, is patient experience and feedback. So you know, the hospital um, was severely criticised, but I think we've seen some real positive moves. And uh, what we need to do is keep engaging with our public and those patients and getting that feedback to get that confidence back. Is the feedback reliable? Because I read something that um, you, a lot of uh, uh, hospitals now are rated on their customer feedback, uh, the, the customer patient feedback. Right. But quite often, the hospital will only ask people for their feedback if they've said good things. My little boy was in hospital uh, the other day, yeah. and uh, they fixed him. They fixed him, which is marvellous. And my wife said to the doctor, by the way, before we go, I just have to say, everybody here has been fantastic. He went, oh, oh, hang on a second. And he pulled out a feedback card. He said, could you fill this in? Right. So those figures aren't completely reliable, are they? Um, well, there is a huge drive, and certainly one of the areas that we um, require the hospital to do is actually um, get feedback from a, a large number of patients so in order to achieve that they really have to be asking many people and that that process of asking for feedback is being rolled out throughout the whole hospital including A&E departments so it is not just the people that are saying something positive they have to demonstrate to us a large numbers um, large numbers of people that have actually gone through the hospital Okay. And, and also, we yes. look at other sources as well externally, so we just don't Excellent. rely on what the hospital tell us. And thank you very much indeed. Anne Murray, Director of Quality and Safety at Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group. Well, what are your thoughts on Bedford Hospital? It looks like things are returning. If you need an ambulance for your child, uh, it could take you to the A&E in Bedford. Just going off on a slight tangent, those uh, hospitals now are rated on uh, feedback from patients. Have you been asked to fill in one of those feedback forms? I heard a fascinating thing uh, on, I think it was Radio 4 a little while ago, about how those figures are skewed slightly because it's at the discretion of the staff as to who they give the feedback cards to. Now, if you go in and go, this flipping hospital is a disgrace, it's filthy, you know, blah, 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 they're not, it's unlikely they're going to give you a feedback card. And it was very funny. Uh, the hospital we were at on uh, Tuesday, they fixed my boy. After 18 months, he's coming off antibiotics. They fixed him. Had to have an operation. Had to have his kidney and his bladders disconnected and reconnected. Blah, blah, blah. Fixed him. Wonderful. My wife was saying, I've just got to say, all of your staff here have been absolutely fantastic. And it was the doctor, it was a lady actually. The doctor went, ah, okay, right, as you've said that, let me just give you, can I just give you one of these feedback cards to fill in, please? And... And I thought, hmm, if we'd have said the treatment's been shoddy, it's taken too long, you've not done well enough, would we have been given one of those feedback cards? A slight tangent, but one if you want to investigate and talk more about, I'm happy to hear your thoughts. 08459 455 555. 7.15, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 London bounds all reopened now after an accident between 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Still very slow though with long delays on the speed sensors on the approach. We had a call in from Joe who going between Hitchin and Caldecott on the B656. There's an accident there partially blocking the road. And again looking on the speed sensors the A1M southbound very slow around Junction 7 for Stevenage. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Ross at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Getting lots of feedback on bands that have sung about themselves. Uh, Oasis, did they? The Killers, Coldplay. Uh, Stuart says Craig David used to say his own name every 14 seconds. He did do that a lot, didn't he? I think that was part of his downfall. Oh, and Emma, well done. Cleopatra coming at you. Seven sixteen on uh, Thursday, the twenty third of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Children's A and E is back up and running at Bedford Hospital as of today. A call for Bedfordshire police to wear body cameras have received the backing of Luton Council. In football, Sunderland beat Manchester United in the League Cup 2-1 after a penalty shootout. The weather, sunny intervals and heavy showers. Coming up, we'll be talking about police wearing body cameras. Also, your calls on bands that sing about themselves, cyclists on the pavement, would you welcome it? And also, Catherine and I have to give a talk to the future of broadcasting. Some students at the, where is it? University of Bedfordshire. Thank you very much indeed. We have no idea what to say to them. Any tips? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation... Get this roofing company round, see if they can fix the problem and I'll pay the bill. He said, yeah, I did say that. The JVS Show fights for your rights. This conversation went round and round and round. And tackles your consumer problems. So, Roy, the question is, has he paid the bill? Yes, and he was standing there and he handed me an envelope. So I just opened the envelope and I looked inside of it. There's a cheque for £120 and that's it. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk Are you happy? Yes, I'm quite happy. I will give him my fanfare, my horn and any other problems, Roy, you know where I am. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. By the way, oh, i tell you what we need to do. We'll, uh, we'll do this after half past seven. Have you got your little book with you, Catherine? Yes, do, yes, after yes, half yes. past seven, we need to tot up with the swear box. We've been doing a swear box to cut down on the bad language amongst the breakfast crew. Why are they making me call us that? Who's making you call Boss you that? Bosses here. <laughs> the bosses make me... They said, Ian, we need to get... Listen, we need to get you a bit funkier. Funkier? Uh, we need to start using... The, we've, heard a, we've got a great idea. Why don't you call... Instead of calling yourselves the breakfast show, the breakfast team, the Ian Lee show, call yourselves the breakfast crew? Was that in the same thing where they said we had to be E and Cat? Yeah. Yeah. I've managed to jettison the Ian Cat. Breakfast crew is sticking. Oh. Uh, but we are trying to curb the foul language uh, here. And so what we're doing is we've got a swear box. Uh, myself, Kelly Betts, Catherine Boyle, and of course, Jay Dizzle. That was his idea. That didn't come from the meeting. <laughs> There's hardly any room for our pounds in the uh, swear box now because of Jay Dizzle. Uh, d- d- top them up, Catherine. And after half past seven, we'll, uh, we'll come back and find out exactly what the latest, uh, the latest is. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Here's an interesting one we've talked about before. Keen to get your thoughts. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for beds police officers to wear 
body cameras. The campaign group Justice for Leon, set up after the death in custody of Luton man Leon Briggs, believe it will help reassure the public. And it would seem that councillors across the political spectrum agree. However, it seems the feeling on the street isn't quite as clear-cut. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, spoke to one man, Dexter, who's been stopped by the police in Luton on a number of occasions. Just knowing that they're going to be going back to the police station and knowing they're watching footage and I'm all over the footage, clearly that I haven't done anything wrong. My personal opinion is I wouldn't be happy with that, knowing that they're sitting back watching. If it's to prevent crime, which is fair enough, but most of the time it's not. You have been stopped by the police various times. What exactly have you been stopped for? Drugs, burglaries and gun crime. They're the main ones that you get stopped for, or that I've been stopped for in Lugan. So they've stopped you and searched you. Have they found anything? No, never. Never found me with nothing. Well, Liberal Democrat uh, councillor David Franks is leader of the opposition at the council. Morning, David. Morning, Ian. Uh, What do you think? These cameras, a good idea? On balance, yes, I do, Ian. I I do understand the concerns of the guy that um, you interviewed. Yeah. and clearly, um, you know, lots of people walking about are going to be caught on these cameras that are not involved in, in, in any wrongdoing or anything at all. But then uh, the police do talk to a lot of people that are not involved in wrongdoing, don't they? I mean, the, 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 real, um, the real key here is that um, when a police officer starts a conversation with a member of the public, they really have no idea where that conversation is going to go. It may end very amicably, maybe just someone asking them the time, you know. Um, but on the other hand, um, it could end up as a confrontation. And if it does, then it's going to be very useful to know why it ended up as a confrontation. Who don't you trust, David? Don't you trust the police or don't you trust the public? Well, I, I have dealings um, as a local councillor with police all the time, loads of them, from your local PCSOs and constables right up to the very top management and my experience is that that they are um, absolutely full of enthusiasm and a desire to serve the public there are um, they've got integrity sadly there are one or two that occasionally let them down and and those are the ones that we need to understand and know about Last night's meeting, uh, unanimous, pretty much, let's, let's get uh, the police wearing cameras. Doesn't do anything, though, does it? You don't have any power to, to influence the police. No, we don't. But, I mean, to, to be honest, the police um, understand the, the, the demand uh, and they are already carrying out experiments with two different sorts of equipment. Um, if those experiments prove to be satisfactory, then no doubt they'll plump for... Um, one supplier or the other, and we will get our police officers walking about with these body cameras. Um, all we want to do, really, I think, is encourage them um, to, to, to go down that route. There is uh, uh, so many stories in the paper over the last year, uh, and there is, it would seem, um, a lack of trust in the police. Do you think the police wearing cameras would uh, help change that? Well, uh, yes, I certainly do. Um, and I understand why there's a complete lack of trust, too. Um, and that, that extends not just to the police, but to the Independent Police Complaints Commission. Um, the, the experience of both in Britain and elsewhere, where these cameras are being used, is that complaints against the police go down by a huge amount. I mean a huge amount, 40, 50, 60 percent in some cases, reduction in complaints against the police. Uh, what's the next stage, David? Where do we go from here? 
where do we go from here? I guess um, we, by the end of January or early February, um, the police will have had best part of two months' experience with the experiment they're carrying out with these two different sorts of equipment, um, and we'll find out what, um, what the result is and how, how they found the equipment working. David, appreciate your time. Liberal Democrat Councillor David Franks, Leader of the Opposition. At Luton Council. What do you think? Good idea, police wearing cameras? I'm struggling to find an argument against it. Civil liberties... Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't see how anyone can have a huge problem with it. Maybe you do. 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, here we go. Bands that mention themselves, S-Club, ain't no party like an S-Club party. Yes, correct, well done. Uh, and on the subject of this talk that Catherine and I are doing, where is it again? University of Bedfordshire. OK, I should, yeah. Uh, you know where that is, do you? Yes, I think, yes. Okay. Uh, is it via uh, a Costa or any other high street coffee? We can make that happen. All righty. Stuart and Milton Keynes says, Ian, you should offer the student who can do the Singing Nun song all the way through to join you in the studio. For those of you who don't know what the Singing Nun song is, it's this. I think that's a, I, I think that's a, a, a cracking idea. If the, <laughs> imagine if that got out, though. BBC offers internship to people who can sing a French song from 1963. I think it's not a bad idea. Kelly, what do you reckon? Well, we are always being told that uh, qualifications ain't worth jack these days because yeah. all the exams are too easy. Yeah. Well, this will be the toughest exam. The, the fame starts... Fame uh, costs. costs. And I right here is where do. you start paying in sweat. sweat. Oh, imagine that. You could get them to go out and get boxes for you. No. We, no, but then we'd have to listen to Then them. we could go for a coffee. Yeah. Come back, listen. Pretend to listen. But if they're good, we could use them. Ah. You see what I'm saying? Because you did some they're boxes for They're getting content. And they weren't very good. good. Well, not many people wanted to answer, what do you see if you look left? Could you do a... S- Maybe you should have asked them what they saw if they looked right. A lot of people did look right, and that was part of the problem. <laughs> could you get... <laughs> they also didn't... They also just thought I was weird when I asked them, are you magic? University of Bedford students, she's one of you. Do you really want to turn into this? Maybe you could just write down all the things that I do and get them to do the opposite. (laughs) That might be the way around it. Thank you. Uh, We're talking about cyclists on pavement as well. After the cycling minister, there's a minister of cycling. Robert Goodwill wants the streets to be filled with bikes and he says, yeah, you should be allowed to cycle on the pavements. Well, Lee's in Watford. Good morning, Lee. Morning, Ian. Lee, I'm being told you're, you're from Disability Watford. Yeah, what, what, do, you, you, what yeah. do you think? Cyclists on the street, on the pavement, good idea or bad idea? Uh, well, our phone doesn't stop ringing around transport issues and cycling's right up there at the moment. Um, especially with developments in um, Watford High Street where the, the area is really small and tight, so yes. pedestrians and everybody else is forced into one area. The, I think the trouble with cyclists is you get good cyclists, obviously, what are, you know, Lord abiding, and if the roads are quiet, they cycle on the road. But, um, I mean, for instance, with my second guide dog, we were um, he was hit three times in the first three months. Oh, how did that happen? Um, well, one cyclist actually come up between him and a fence and oh. run into the side of him. There's obviously nowhere for the cyclist to go. 
and silly little things like that. He should have gone into the fence, not the blooming dog. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, it's a bit on edge. uh, Yeah, I bet. I mean, I'm going to show my age here, but, I mean, cyclists now, I mean, they're on really quiet machines with, I don't know how many gears on them, you know, into 20-odd gears. Gears. Yeah. Where when I was younger, I mean, you could hear the things coming. They need what they need. They need uh, to either put playing cards in their um, spokes or spoky dokies. Well, I wouldn't go as far as that. Proper training, proper insurance, and yeah, just say some sort of audio beacon. But then we'll have so many audio beacons. Be confusing, but um, yeah. I mean... I, I, I just think... Mean, so I, listen, I used to ride on the, the pavement when I was a kid, 15 years old. Yeah. It's not appropriate now. They're, what if you come around a corner and then you say there's, there's a fellow like you with a guide dog, or there's someone pushing a double buggy or a single buggy, or there's someone who's walking a bit... or someone who's stopped for a chat. It's just not appropriate. No, I don't think so. In some places, obviously, yes, you know, and they put in cycle paths, and um, sometimes when they put in a cycle path, they only contact the local cycling group and not the um, group, you know, supporting disabled people or senior citizens and all that. But I can't remember the last time when I heard a cyclist being trained or... um, They don't get bells anymore! Well, I tell you what, I was in London, I was driving in central London the other day. By the way, I forgot to pay my congestion charge twice last week. That's £100 I've literally just given away. And there was a, a fella on his bicycle. He didn't have a bell. And what he was doing to get people out of the way, he was going, Oi! Move it! Now, that's not what we want, is it? What's wrong with the little ding-ding? I want to hear it. There's nothing wrong with a lovely, light little tinkle, is there? Well, I think bikes do have to have a bell-fitted new now as um, part of legislation. Just use it. All I want, want, when I'm in London, is a lovely little tinkle. Well, but going back to what you were saying about somebody shouting, I was under one of the busy underpass the other day, and a guy come hurting through there. Must have been doing 20 mile an hour plus on his super quiet bike, just shouting to people to get out of the way as if he had the, the right away. Lee, it's no good at all. Thank you. Dennis, you're right. Yes, I'm fine. Good lad. 08459 four double five five double five is the phone number. It, it, you don't hear bicycles with bells anymore. It is, oi! Oi! Move out of the way! What, I saw a bicycle nearly hit someone the other day, and the bike went bonkers. I watched it. It was totally the cyclist's fault. Totally. And he was effing and jeffing. What you want when you're out and about is just a very soft, very light, brief little tinkle. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 London bound slow going with delays between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and 9 for Redbourne after an accident. We had a call from Joe between Hitchin and Caldercott on the B656. There's an accident partially blocking the road there. On the M25 anti-clockwise, things going very slowly now between Junction 20 for Kings Langley and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Getting some cracking bands that have sung about themselves. They might be giants. The Divine Comedy, Mott the Hoople, Living in a Box. I don't know if they're living about, if they're talking about themselves. They just say living in a box, living in a cardboard box. Uh, Iron Maiden and Mystique. Wow. 7.30, let's get the news with Jane. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, I'm Jane Killick. Children requiring emergency treatment can now go to Bedford Hospital's A&E as services begin to return to normal. Since the closure of the paediatric unit last year, children have had to be taken to Milton Keynes or Luton and Dunstable hospitals. 
Luton Borough Council is backing calls for all police officers in Bedfordshire to wear body cameras. A campaign group formed after the death of a Luton man in police custody says it's an historic moment. A 64-year-old woman from Bedford who's been evicted from her home for not paying council tax insists she will get her house back. Marilyn Robinson-White and her daughter, who've run up legal bills of £50,000 fighting the council, have now spent more than two weeks in a tent. The weather, a band of heavy showers will arrive during the morning but will leave by afternoon to give a mix of sunny spells and showers with a high of 8 Celsius. Under sport and in football, Manchester United's poor season got even worse last night as Sunderland won an almost comical penalty shootout to secure a League Cup final place against Manchester City at Wembley. United won the game 2-1 after extra time at Old Trafford, sending the tie to penalties. It was down to United's Brazilian fullback Rafael. This has to be scored by Rafael, the young Brazilian fullback. He should be good. He's saved by Manoni and Sunderland are through to the Capital One Cup final at Wembley. Chelsea have accepted a bid believed to be in the region of £37 million from Manchester United for Spanish midfielder Juan Mata. The 25-year-old will have to have a medical today before completing a move to the Premier League champions. In tennis, the first of the men's semi-finals gets underway this morning in the Australian Open. The eighth seed Thomas Burdick faces Stanislas Wawrinka, who beat Novak Djokovic in the last round. The winner of that match will play the world number one, Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer in the final. In cricket and the women's ashes continues with a second one-day international. Australia won the toss and chose to bat. They've set England a target of 267 with their 50 overs. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at eight. Dominique, Nique, Nique, s'en allait tout simplement au Dieu, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, <clears throat> Catherine and I are giving a talk at the University of Bedfordshire today about radio. Literally no idea what to say to those, uh, what do we call them, kids? Students. OK. Um, I mean, they'll all be bunking off, drinking hooch and um, watching Jeremy Kyle. I don't think they're to do that anymore now they're paying for it themselves. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Ouch. Why I'm would sure it? they're a lot more... Uh, Conscientious. Okay, so we have no idea what to do. they want to learn about working in radio and what it entails and what it involves and stuff. I've got literally no idea. I just rock up. Uh, I'm force-fed coffee. I sit here for three hours and talk, and then I collapse again in a heap. Pretty, pretty similar for Catherine. Just a different uh, liquid that's being pumped down your throat. It's vodka. So basically, it's me running the show. So I should be doing the talk. Wowzers! That's a scary thought, isn't it? Just imagine the world like that for a second. <laughs> Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Cycling on the streets uh, should be people be allowed to cycle on the pavements. You had an incident with uh, that's it. You had an incident, didn't you, with a cyclist, Kelly? I did. I stepped out on the road. I looked left. I looked right. Stepped out on the road. Well, hang on a second. Oh, there's your, oh, 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 there's your mistake. You, left, there's your mistake. Right, left Why? again. You don't look. No, 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 no. You don't look left, right, left again. Right, left, right again. Oh. You start with the right with the oncoming traffic. So that was your mistake. Carry on. Okay, uh, so I stepped out, and then suddenly, from nowhere, from a little bit further up the road, 
appeared, so I quickly stepped back. Yeah. He wasn't near me. He wasn't going to hit me. I, I, I saw him. I stepped back onto the pavement. As he cycled past, he went, idiot. They, they do. But they do. It's scarier when they're actually when they can actually yeah. shout. When you're in a car, you've got yeah. that block. You know, you've got a well, protection. Yes. You've got the car. Yeah. So if somebody shouts at you through their windscreen, what I can't, I can't hear. And you. I don't want to do one of those shows where it's let's let's knock cyclists. Okay, but because the people phone say, oh no, I'm a good cyclist. I'm sure you probably are. But I would suggest that there is a higher percentage of cyclists who are muppets than there are drivers. I admit that it was my fault because, as you pointed oh. out, I didn't look right again. Well, in that case, but there you're was an idiot. no need to call me an idiot. <laughs> he really shouted it. I felt really like oh, Dennis. Good morning. But cycles on pavements. Yes, what about it? Can you get a new phone? Because it's got your phone always has this weird echo on. Well, I don't know why it is because I'm not I'm I'm not a yodeler, so. No, no, but it's just got this weird echo on my voice. <laughs> well, sounds like I'm in a cave. Yes, that's right. It sounds like that to me. Okay. Now then. Yes. Cycling on the pavement. What's the use of looking right, right and left because they're on the pavement going in different directions? Well, this is it. This is this. First of all, I can't believe there is a cycling minute. Saw your phone. Give your phone a hit. Hit it. At any better? Uh, it's a little bit better, yes. Um, first of all, there's a cycling minister, which I just can't... I, I think is a ridiculous position anyway. But he is saying that cyclists should be allowed to ride on the pavements. That's crazy, isn't it? Of course it is, yes. Tell him to come to me. I'll show him how to cycle. Go on. In my back bedroom. I've got a bike in there. There's an invitation. Uh, There's an invitation, ladies. Go into Dennis's back bedroom. I'll show you how to cycle. Yes, and incidentally, these people you're going to talk to in Bedford, yes, tell them to listen to your programme, then they'll know what not to do. Thank you very much for your call, Dennis. I think one of the things not to do is let let, let, uh, old-age pensioners get too big for their comfy slippers. (laughs) Melvin Bragg's on the line. Morning, Melvin. Good morning, Ian. A couple of things, very quickly. Um, Cyclists should be banned from the roads. They they pay no tax, they pay no insurance. Total disregard for the highway code. Go through one-way streets the wrong way, through red lights. Ban a lot of them, I say. Oh, I started... Hang on a second. I started driving the wrong way up a one-way street the other day. I was in London visiting this hospital, my little boy, and I was trying to find somewhere to park, and I started... I turned around and started driving, and and luckily the black cab driver flashed me and made the signal for turn around, which I think is just what the middle finger raised. Um, And so I I turned back the right way. Yeah. yeah. When they when they give you the two fingers salute, that you have to worry. That's that's when you're in trouble. But not yeah. all yeah. not all cyclists are like that, Melvin. There are some excellent ones. Well, I, I haven't seen any. And second point, main point in my call: puddles on the road. Yes. You, you can either ask the students, or ask your listener, or ask Kelly when she does her next interview. Would you deliberately drive through a puddle to wet a pedestrian on the pavement? Why do you say that, sir? I'm just wondering what the view of the, of the populace would be. I'll tell you what, I am desperately flicking through the newspaper because there's a story about that in one of the papers today. Is there? There is a story. That's why I thought you, you spotted that. I saw it and oh. I wish I'd fold over. It was a fella who got... Um, oh, where on earth is it? He drove and he splashed some kids on the, the way to school uh, and he got pulled over by the police and I think he got fined for it. Oh, here we go. Uh, man, uh, man, this is in the sun, page 29. Man faces court for soaking kids. A motorist is facing prosecution for drenching school kids by driving through a puddle. A cop witnessed the soaking and pulled him over and reported him for careless driving. Driving. 
So what oh. do you think? But now this is this is the interesting bit. This is the bit that made me laugh. Debbie Pugh was with her kids, aged eight and eleven, and she said, "My son was crying his eyes out." Right? That's very sad, isn't it? It is. The next sentence, though. I was yelling obscenities at the driver. Maybe, maybe the boy was crying because his mum was yelling obscenities at the driver. Absolutely. What do you think? What do you think should happen to people like that, Melvin? I think they should be getting awards. What? For do what? For driving through puddles? An award for splashing people, yeah. Really? I think it'd be an excellent new... Maybe bring it into the Olympics at some point called... Pedestrian splashing. No, I hate it when drivers dr- splash me. I really hate it. I turn round and I, I shout obscene language at them. Oh, no, no, no. You could have singles and you can have doubles oh. where cars drive in opposite directions, you know, swerve and then try and get both cars to go through the puddle and splash the pedestrian. Melvin, you're a very, very naughty man. Thank you. 08459 455 555. Listen, I, I do like driving through puddles. If there is nobody there, we call it puddling, car puddling. Puddling is when you do it in your boots and you jump in. Car puddling is when you drive through it. Okay? Uh, yeah, I, I always check the brakes after I dab the brakes, don't worry. But you can't do it over people. I think it's illegal to do it over people. The 22-year-old is likely to receive a court summons, although he could be sent for driver training instead. Children were soaked by a large wave of water as they walked to school with parents. Debbie Pugh was with her kids aged 8 and 11 and said, My son was crying his eyes out. I was yelling obscenities at the driver. That may have made your son more upset, love. PC Mark Hercules was in a patrol car behind in uh, Colchester and stopped the local motorist. He said the vehicle was driven through the puddle relatively fast, making no attempt to avoid it. A large wave of water absolutely soaked the children and parents. 08459 555 555 is the telephone number. Um, Ian Murphy on the subject. Oh, we'll do those a bit later on. Let's talk about body cams. James is in Milton Keynes. Should the police wear um, body cameras? Yes, Ian, I think they should. Um, one of your callers earlier was saying that they weren't agreeing with it because they believed they were going to be recorded 24-7 all of the time they're walking around. My partner's a police officer in Thames Valley and um, Thames Valley officers routinely wear these body cameras day in, day out these days. And that's certainly not the case. Do they? Because one of the arguments is that in some of the trials, the police um, the police decide when they turn the cameras on and when they turn the cameras off. Is that what happens yes. to your partner? Yes, it is. Yes. So they carry what every police car should have a body worn camera in it. One of the officers should be wearing one, and they they switch it on when they feel it's necessary. So it's not. But then, James, that's, that, that doesn't solve the problem, does it? That doesn't solve the problem in, uh, in lack of trust in the police. If they, have, if they make the decision as to what they film and what they don't film, surely it needs to be filming everything or the moment they start talking to someone. That, that's one train of thought on it. But at the same time, there are, there are police cars that are driving around, traffic units, that are recording 24-7 anyway. Um, there, that happens in every single police force around this country with traffic units, but yeah. just sending it out into the local areas. Now, my, my partner, I'm, I'm all for it, and I obviously will have a biased opinion yeah. because she's in the police, but quite some time ago she was attacked by a man who was covered in blood who had HIV. Now, she went to through six months of testing to make sure she was all in the clear, and as you can probably imagine, that's not a very nice time for her. Or, or of course not, sounds horrific. So she goes to court, um, and, and he effectively gets let off of it. Now, I can only, you know, I can only assume that if she was wearing a body-worn camera and the court was able to see that sort of footage, 
dangerous people like Cheetahs and Tax by would not be allowed back out on the streets. And I think that's the bottom line of it all. It's not about protecting police or, or non-trust in the police. It's about preventing crime and actually putting criminals behind bars and proving evidence to give that. And, and that's the thought. And that's, that's the, whole, the whole point around it all, in my opinion. James, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Uh, we'll do this in a second. Let's go to Gary and Luton. Morning, Gary. Hi. Gary, you're cycling on paths. What do you reckon? Uh, I don't know where... There, there should be more cycle paths designated. Oh. Ones, like they have in Milton Keynes, definitely. Yeah. I, um, I, I used to live in Milton Keynes before I started studying here. Uh, and I've, I've actually put the bike away now because I, I would never ride straight through the middle of the town centre anyway. But there's nowhere really. And the drivers around here are horrific. I've nearly been knocked off back four or five times. Like, you know, it could be down to myself a little bit as well. I'm not putting it down to just the drivers, but... It's, it's it's just dangerous on the it's dangerous on the roads for cyclists as well. Well, the the cycling minister position I find it laughable is suggesting that bikes should be allowed on pavements. That would be just as dangerous, but in a different way, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with that. That's what I mean. There should be, like in Milton Keynes, there's like a whole system of redways yep. throughout the city, which which are excellent. To be honest, they're underused by the cyclists as well. Because in Milton Keynes, I think there's more of a problem with uh, people. Uh, you know, driving sort of free abreast on their, you know, since Bradley Wiggins won a gold medal, oh. everybody wants to go racer out, don't they? Oh, tell me about it. There, there, are, there are members of uh, staff here mentioning no names, Paul Scoynes, who since Br- Lord Brag- Bradley Wiggins became, uh, you know, a deity up there with Ganesh, uh, yeah. he, can't, he, he just won't stop banging on about cycling. Listen to this guy. I've got a text from Linda in Milton Keynes. The amount of cyclists that speed past me when I'm walking my dog, they think the redway is put there for them only. And that that's the problem, isn't it? Cyclists and pedestrians, it, it, it's not a particularly healthy mix. Uh, I suppose it is in some ways, but I, like, I always travel with care because the one thing I don't want to do is have a crash. I don't want to come off the bike. I don't, ride a he- I don't wear a helmet, which I probably should. But, like, you know, I, I don't go speeding past anyone. I do use a bell as well, and there's a, if I'm coming up behind someone... Like, I'll use the bell continuously just to let make them aware that I'm there. It's only polite, isn't it? It's only polite. Gary, thank you for that. Two texts, I think, from the same person. From David. Yeah, let's get all those kids riding bikes off the pavement and onto the roads. Very sensible. I haven't said that, David. His other text is, I'm a regular 3CR listener, but I've turned you over to Radio 4, fed up with anti-cyclist nonsense. From... From whom, David? Sorry, we had a caller who was anti them, but... Oh, you're referring to me. Well, listen, stop being a silly sausage. Stop sending angry texts. Stop pretending you're listening to Radio 4. I know you're still listening to us. Give me a call. 08459 555 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had a call from Imran on the M1 northbound. There's been an accident around Junction 8 for Hemel Hempstead. On London bound, starting to ease after the earlier accident, but still looking pretty slow around Junction 11 for Dunstable Road. The M25 anti-clockwise, slow going between 20 for Kings Langley and 16 for the M40. And the A41 southbound, looking very slow on the sensors between the Hemel Hempstead turn-off and the M25 Junction 20 for Kings Langley. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. 
7.47 or thereabouts. It's Thursday the 23rd of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Children's A&E is back up and running at Bedford Hospital as of today. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for Bedfordshire Police to wear body cameras. In football, Sunderland beat Manchester United in the League Cup 2-1 after a penalty shootout. 7.47, we'll take more of your calls and I've got a letter here about driving through puddles. We'll get to that after the weather with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Locally feeling quite chilly actually through this morning's rush hour, but it will be a dry one. Eventually we've got outbreaks of rain spreading into the uh, into western areas of um, of Buckinghamshire, uh, closely followed by everywhere else. It's quite a fast-moving band of showers, this one. It's likely to give us heavy downpours through the middle part of the morning and, uh, and then clearing, well, round about lunchtime from eastern areas of Hertfordshire. So not lasting too long. Some squally gusts of wind, possibly even a rumble or two of thunder. It is going to be a dry Dry afternoon, happily, we'll see some good spells of sunshine. Top temperatures of around 7 degrees, 45 in Fahrenheit. Leading on to a cold and frosty night tonight. A bit of ground frost, perhaps even a touch of air frost in the rural spots. Temperatures hovering around, freezing for most areas. And then tomorrow, quite a grey cold day. We'll see a lot of low cloud around, outbreaks of light and patchy rain on and off through the course of the day. And then that will eventually clear on Saturday. Saturday, the better looking day of the weekend. Not completely dry, a few showers, quite cool and Lustery, a cold night on Saturday into Sunday, and then quite a stormy end to the weekend. It's looking very wet and windy indeed. That's the forecast. Original British drama on BBC One. Welcome to our glorious enterprise. We're going to build a new France. Now, we kill the king and queen. The poor and the dispossessed will rise up and join us. Dark forces are at work in 17th century France. No one outwits Vadim. It's too dangerous. I can do this. Trust me. The king and I should attend mass as planned. She's a very attractive woman. She's not a woman. She's a queen. The Musketeers continues tomorrow night at nine on BBC One and BBC One HD. Mm, yeah. Mm. Gary's in Millend. Morning, Gary. Morning, Ian. Gary, what you got for us? Well, basically, what is about the cycling, yeah? Yes. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Vaughan Smith last year on his show... Who? Had Jonathan Vaughan Smith. Oh, I know him, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He uh, had um, some kind of cycling issue, and it was he said that it was legal to ride on the pathways. It's legal to ride on the pathways? Yeah. Yep. Really? Yeah. I don't... <clears throat> listen, I like Jonathan Vaughan Smith. Yes, I do. I don't He's, get me wrong. I don't, no, I'm, I'm not. And don't get me wrong. But I just think sometimes that Jonathan Vaughan Smith, sometimes he says things that aren't quite right. And I'm not convinced. Really? Um, I think... Isn't it you can ride on a... <clears throat> isn't it something like you can ride on a footpath or a pavement, but, but not a pavement? And that's where the difficulty is. Well, what's the difference between the football well, and the pavement? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, 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 oh, dearie me, I'm trying, to look, uh, I'm trying to look online. Cycling on footways is prohibited. Now, prohibited means you can't do it, doesn't it, Catherine? Yes. Thank you. Correct, yeah. Okay. Cyclists have no right to cycle on footpaths away from the road, but only commit offence where local bylaws... <clears throat> so, basically, you're not supposed to, but it's not necessarily an offence. Oh, dearie me. It's confusing, what? isn't it? Well confusing. Um, 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 do you ride a bike, Gary? 
No, not anymore. But once when I, when I was younger, I did, and the cop told me off and gave me a clap around the ear. Yeah, good. On, on the pavement. Good, good. Well, no, hang on, no, bad, bad. Well, listen, Jonathan Vaughan Smith is coming in um, in about half an hour's time, so I'll ask him. I'll ask him, yeah, because I'm pretty sure that's what I heard on his radio. How often? Can, can, can we just while I've got you, Gary, we're kind of yeah. sort of doing this is new kind of thing we've got to do for the station. We have to survey listeners about what yeah. they listen to and stuff. Yeah. How long have you been listening to Jonathan Vaughan Smith? I listen to you. I listen to John Vaughan Smith, not the other geezer after him. No, uh, but Roberto. Yep. Roberto, I listen to him sometimes. Yep, yep. Yeah. And how long have you been listening to Jonathan Vaughan Smith specifically? Uh, it's been over a year. Yeah. And do you listen? Every, how many days a week do you listen to Jonathan Vaughan Smith? Five. Five days a week. I listen to Justin Dealey on a Saturday sometimes when I come into work. I'm sorry about that. Um, and have no, you have, have you ever phoned into Jonathan Vaughan Smith? Yes, I have months before. What? Oh, what did you speak about? Um, I can't really say. Why? Um, Why can't... It, it, no, it's something to do about the uh, internet providers, um, I... broadband providers. You weren't the chap that, that had, um, had signed up to a, a, an adult website, were you? No, I was oh, not. Okay. <laughs> Okay, good. I'm sorry to there was someone. I'm sorry to connect you with that story, Gary. Listen, it's no, nice. That's fine, Dean. Oh, can I just say something here? Yeah, go for your life. Next time you get short on some storylines, yeah, and you need to fill it in with a song. How about a bit of Purple Rain? Purple Rain, Purple Rain. Oh, <sighs> and what about a bit of Bob Dylan? What? No, oh, Bob Dylan. Like baby Blue. Bob Dylan can't sing. How about a little bit of this? Nah. You don't fancy that, Gary? No, it doesn't cut it. Thank you very much indeed. Come on, just. Uh, we'll see if we can get to John in a second, but I do want to get to speak to you now, Justin mm. Dealey. Thank you very much indeed for your time. And uh, <laughs> Gary, they're a big fan of yours, and Jonathan Vaughan Smith. Yeah, Jonathan Vaughan Smith, great broadcaster. He is. He is. Mm. We'll find out where he's working these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the reason we got you on last week, we told uh, you, dear listener, about a row between a Bedford woman and uh, the Borough Council that had escalated to the point where she's now sleeping in a tent. Marilyn Robinson White is 64. She and her daughter have been evicted after refusing to pay council tax from which they believe they should be exempt. Well, they're still insisting the council have made a mistake despite consistently losing legal challenges. The council say this is not the case and the councillor in charge of benefits, Shan Hunt, has written a letter which goes as follows. We've been in discussion with Mrs Robinson White for a number of years regarding council tax arrears associated with her property. During this period, there's been a number of court hearings, each of which has overruled Mrs Robinson White's objections. I would like to make it clear that the council does not accept that the council tax arrears are the result of clerical errors made by the council. The magistrate's court has confirmed that Mrs Robinson White is liable to pay £5,492 in council tax arrears, which date back to 2006 and are still outstanding. I am certain that if errors had been made and Mrs Robinson White had presented evidence of those errors to the court as claimed, then the current situation would never have arisen. On numerous occasions, the council has offered advice to Mrs Robinson White throughout this process, but she has chosen not to accept the advice provided, which have led to the current circumstances. She then goes on to say, There is no reason for either Mrs Robinson White or her daughter to be sleeping in a tent on waste ground, and the council have visited them several times to discuss alternative housing options. Well, there you go. So that's um, the statement there. From It's a very long statement, mm, Justin. But you went to the family 
to read them the letter. Yeah, I tell you what, Ian, this situation is absolutely desperate. Um, the conditions that Marilyn and her daughter are living in are absolutely horrendous. A tent in a field in wow. thick mud. Yep, and Marilyn, yep. of course, is, is 64. So, as you mentioned, I took the letter from the council to them. I presented that to them. They certainly weren't happy. Here's how they reacted. They certainly lied. And if um, any person out there wants to look over the whole case, I'll get them a copy from the court or come along with me, which will prove... These are just a bunch of lies, what they're saying. They're fully aware. How angry does that statement make you feel? I'm very frustrated that the truth is still not coming out. We need a newspaper that's going to at least print the truth, or a radio station, and have the whole case for somebody else personally to look over it. I mean, you are here in the most horrendous conditions. You've got asthma yes. yourself. Yes, How much longer can this go on for? Because you're going to be seriously ill if you're not careful. Well... It could still be resolved. I'm going from here back into my home, or I'll go down with the ship. There's no other way. No. You want something from the council, and the council aren't prepared to give that to you because they believe they've done nothing wrong. So if, they, if they're saying they've done nothing wrong and you're going to be staying here for justice, you're going to be here forever then, aren't you? No, there's always other court action to take. There's always. Court action never ceases. Is it about time for you to give up this fight now? No, never. No. No. The truth will come out. It will come out. Why would anyone do this to themselves? Why? Why? The council say to us that you are refusing help. Why are you refusing help? Why would we need help? Why would we need help? Because you're in a tent in a a muddy field. They put us here. They just want to sweep the errors away where we're not going anywhere. Yeah. They say that that people have been down here to see you and to Mm -hmm. advise you. Mm -hmm. Did you tell them to go away? Well, we just said we didn't need their help in any way. I mean, I've been a mortgagee for 44 and a half years. I have a £71 mortgage here. Tiny outgoings, never had a debt in my life. And someone comes down here to tell me they're going to help me in which way. But from what I can see, I'm just going to be honest with you, you do need that help. Why did you tell those people to go away? Help Help for what? Do you you want to carry on living in a town? You're going to be offered any better. Never needed help in my life. I'm not having someone after 44 and a half years tell me where to live. Final question. I'll ask you both individually. Are you just too proud? No, no, certainly not, no. I'm just here for justice, that's all. No, the same, here for justice, and um, I would like the Chief Executive to come down and look at our documents and see how he can answer that as well on camera. Okay, I shall certainly pass that on. Um, I hope the situation improves for you because... um, I certainly wouldn't want anybody that I know living in these conditions. And um, I just hope it, it all works out. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thank much you. indeed. Thank, Thank you. you. Pretty desperate situation for them. It is. And the thing is, you know, yesterday when I spoke to Marilyn, um, she just wouldn't listen. It's a case of, well, we've done nothing wrong. We're going to fight this. They've been to court. It hasn't worked out for them. I had to go through one of their neighbours' gates to actually speak to them. And when I got there, Marilyn said to me, I'm not talking to you. I don't trust you. You've come through that gate and not my preferred neighbour's gate. I mean, it was just a really weird situation. But the facts are, here we have two ladies that are living in a tent round the back of their house that they've been evicted from. Um, either way, something's got to happen because Marilyn, at 64 years old, with, with asthma problems, cannot live uh, in those situations. And it's, it's starting to get cold now. Mm. But if they're not willing to accept the help that's being offered by the council... 
what can they do, really? Well, she said that she will be fighting for justice, she will get justice, and if she doesn't, she'll be going down with this ship. I mean, her words, not mine. Um, she could be there forever, because, as we know, if she wants to get justice, um, if she can eventually prove what she's trying to say, that's going to take time. It's very, very cold. Um, she should not be in a tent uh, living in a field. It's just crazy. Justin, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. 7.59, let's get the travel with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, there's been an accident around Junction 8 for Hemel Hempstead. Lane 4 is blocked there at the moment. Delays are showing up on the sensors from the uh, Junction 8 approaching Redbourne. Thanks to Imran for phoning in with that. On the London-bound M1, things are starting to ease after an earlier accident, but still looking slow around 11 for Dunstable Road. The M25 anti-clockwise struggling between 19 for Watford and 16 for the M40. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed, Alice. Coming up, more about cycling on the pavements, driving through puddles, and what kind of advice can Catherine and I give to a load of students today? Not a lot, really. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Jane Killick. The headlines, children's services returning to normal at Bedford Hospital. Luton Council backs calls for police to wear body cameras. An evicted Bedford woman still living in a tent after two weeks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Children requiring emergency treatment can now go to Bedford Hospital's A&E as services begin to return to normal. Since the closure of the paediatric unit last year, children have had to be taken to Milton Keynes or Luton and Dunstable hospitals. The Director of Quality and Safety at Bedfordshire Clinical Commissioning Group, Anne Murray, says it's something they've worked hard to achieve. It's consultant-led and children are really seen very early with a really clear plan and assessed and those plans implemented. So actually what we've got is very short stays for children and really the appropriate care being given. So we're seeing a really new model of care for paediatric services, which is great news. Errors and inconsistencies in hospital waiting time figures mean the information can't be trusted, according to a report produced by the National Audit Office. It says patients are being let down because they can't reliably compare hospitals. The Department of Health says overall waiting times remain low and stable and it will work with the NHS to ensure staff get the help they need to report accurate figures. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for all police officers in Bedfordshire to wear body cameras. The vote, which had cross-party support, follows the death of Luton man Leon Briggs in police custody and calls from campaigners. David Franks, leader of the Liberal Democrat opposition group on Luton Borough Council, says police are already trialling two camera systems. If those experiments prove to be satisfactory, then no doubt they'll plump for one supplier or the other and we will get our police officers walking about with these body cameras. All we want to do, really, I think, is encourage them to go down that route. Plans for a new sports centre in Luton have been rejected, in spite of council experts recommended they should be approved. The centre in Hightown would have provided cricket and basketball facilities, but was deemed unnecessary by councillors. A 64-year-old woman is still camping outside the bottom of her garden after being evicted from her home in Bedford more than two weeks ago for not paying council tax. Marilyn Robinson-White and her daughter, who have run up legal bills of £50,000, insist the council has made a mistake. Tony Fisher reports. 
Bedford Borough Council says Mrs Robinson White's council tax arrears dates back to 2006 and amounts to over £5,000. It doesn't accept claims by the 64-year-old that it's made clerical errors, but says she didn't fill out the paperwork correctly. It says there's no reason for them to be sleeping in a tent on waste ground and they continue to offer help and advice. In football, Manchester United crashed out of the League Cup at the semi-final stage after a penalty shootout defeat to Sunderland last night. The weather, a band of heavy showers will move across beds, hearts and bucks by lunchtime. Then the afternoon will have sunny spells and a few showers with a high of 8 Celsius. And get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Exciting news if you're in Bedford and you have a child. Yep, children's A&E services are back up and running at Bedford Hospital as of today. We're getting the latest on that. Campaigners are calling for Bedfordshire police to wear body cameras to record all interactions with the public. What do you think? I can't think of an argument against it. And the cycling minister, yeah, that's actually a job, is saying he doesn't see anything wrong with cycling on pavements. That's got to be a terrible idea, hasn't it? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, some texts. Morning, Lee. Huh? I, love, I love in Northampton. Good for you. And there is a fixed penalty of £30 for cyclists that use the pavement. Just another loony law that Northampton Borough Councillors see fit to enforce to claw more money from its residents. Steve in St Albans. Ian, you should have a walk up the Nicky line on a weekend and see the office morons on their bikes and have got no manors at all. They'd sooner run over you than go round you. Cycling on the pavement. We've already had someone called Dave who's pretending he's listening to Radio 4 as a result of my anti-cycling rant. No anti-cycling rant at all. Just dealing with facts. Cycling on the pavement is... uh, uh, Yeah, for kids, 10, 11, yeah, maybe. Good idea. But once you're over 15 and over, no, 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 no. It's ridiculous to have bicycles on pavements. 08459 455 555. John's in Potter's Bar. Morning, John. Morning, um, Ian. I'm totally frustrated, annoyed at all this talk that's going on. Go I'm on. a cyclist, but I've, I've come away from it now. I've been cycling since 1955. I'm 73. You must be tired. Yeah, yeah, the roads are so bad and the motors aren't so good. I've got no idea. Never ridden a, a motorbike or a bike. Um, now... Bells are should be fitted to bikes. They're supposed to be by law fitted to the cycle. Shop. I have been informed that you that when you buy a new bicycle, it, it will always come fitted with a bell. That will never stop you taking it off. Yep, true, okay. true. And also, no, I don't. You don't. Whether they're fitted or not, you don't hear people using them, do you? Very often. Uh, I've got a bell. Always had the bell. If you was doing the time trial, which was a race in the morning, yep. um, which is the like the, the, the minute to minute man. If you didn't have a bell on your bike, you wouldn't be allowed to start. Mm. Um, if you want to get, find out about cycling, get in touch with the Cyclist Touring Club. It's all throughout the whole of Britain, the headquarters in London, and that you will speak to someone who, who knows what they're talking about. John, why have you stopped cycling? It's too dangerous and the roads are too rough. 
and I'm 73 anyway. Would you ever consider cycling on the pavement? No, you're not. Any, from the age of 10 under is fairly okay, but even in that, that's got a problem. Uh, up to the age of 15, you're, you're not, not, you can still be prosecuted. And there's no, I've seen policemen in Potter's Bar with cyclists on the pavement and not done the thing, and our postmen ride on the pavement all the time. The, the, the cycling minister is saying, come on... He's an idiot. Why? You you're not allowed to cycle on the pavement. It's totally dangerous. I've nearly had people knock me over as well we, many years ago. And if they hit me where they hit me, I would have been, probably been dead today. Would have been dead. John, I appreciate your call. Thank you. 08459 455 555. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, some positive news from today. Children requiring emergency treatment can go to, can go to anyone? That's right, Bedford Hospital's A&E. It seems that services are returning to normal after a row over the amount and quality of supervision for junior doctors, which saw them removed from paediatrics altogether. Uh, the hospital's lead consultant paediatrician, pediatri- you try saying it this time in the morning, Dr Andy Raffles, joins me now. Morning, Andy. Good morning. Good news. Excellent news. Just what's needed. What's changed to, to mean this can happen? Um, actually, it, to be accurate, what's happened is the children's... At- a&E has been open for quite a while now. I mean, they've been seeing children back in the A&E department from September time. But what really has changed is that emergency ambulances can now bring children back to Bedford. And that was an issue up till, well, up till Wednesday. Uh, what, what day are we today? I think we're Thursday. I, I think I'm, we're Thursday. I'll, I'll let you know yesterday. later on. Yeah, well, you see, it's a busy life. Yeah. Um, so so why, has, why has that changed? And why are ambulances now taking children to uh, Bedford A&E? Well, it's a couple of fundamental big changes. The first is the consultant-led care at Bedford it has been secured. And one of my jobs when I was asked to come and sort of look at this p- the problem was to c- help create a service that was both safe and gets around the issues of the, what was seen as poor supervision of trainees. That's been resolved. We've got a total number of eight new consultants, or a total of eight consultant paediatricians now at Bedford, where previously there were four. So that's improved the levels of supervision. And we've devised a way of caring that is consultant-provided. If you arrive at Bedford with a sick child, there'll be a consultant to see you between 9am and 9pm. The emergency department is supported by excellent nurses. Really, um, one of the things that I was very touched by when I came to Bedford was the quality of the nursing care for children. It's superb. Children, we're getting mixed messages. Children can stay overnight, but if it's going to be an extended period, they get moved somewhere else. Is that right? That's exactly right. What we've already found is that in the two weeks from beginning of December, when basically we reopened most of the services, 95% of local children who attend Bedford with a problem, or if they have a long-standing problem, will be seen, sorted out, and sent home from Bedford. There's a very small number that will then need subsequent admission elsewhere. Um, The main reason for doing that is that it focuses our care on the first 24 hours. So we've now, what we've done is we've created what we call a short-stay assessment unit. And the fantastic thing about that, particularly for Bedford, is that it's a model of care that the rest of the NHS are looking for. Um, Already people are interested in what has happened at Bedford, how it's recovered, and how it's developed a sustainable long-term package of paediatric care because this is what's wanted around the rest of the NHS. We know this has been a tough period for parents. We've spoken to lots of parents. How difficult has it been for the staff of the hospital? 
I think it's been incredibly difficult. I think particularly the nursing staff who were always providing high level of, of pediatric care and have been committed to the changes. If you look at what's changed since August, September, um, every few weeks a new package of care was being introduced and they've established that. So for the nursing staff, they were, their morale was very low in the summer and has really picked up. And I think that's been reflected across much of the rest of the trust, although I don't have a lot to do with the rest of the trust. What I've seen, and certainly what I've heard about CQC visits, everybody's much more upbeat about the successes at Bedford. And the medical staff, there's been a sea change. Um, only yesterday we got approval for three further consultant posts. And how do you... Um, lots of people have lost faith in Bedford Hospital. How do you regain that faith? I think this is an issue. This is the confidence in the unit. It's not the competence, the ability to deliver the care. It's the confidence in the pub, from the public, the children, and other professionals, GPs, etc., who really need to know that Bedford can deliver high-quality care that's up there with the best of the NHS. And it, Bedford can do that. It's going to take some months before all, those, uh, all that confidence returns. Andy, thanks very much. I, I wish you the best of luck. Um, Dr Andy Raffles, the hospital's lead consultant, takes a run-up to the word paediatrician. 08459 Now, we had a caller from uh, Melvin Bragg <clears throat> who was suggesting that we should be encouraging people to drive through uh, the big puddles on the side of the street. It should become an Olympic sport. I suspect his tongue was slightly in his cheek. I'd like to think it was. And interestingly, I'd spotted a story in The Sun today. Dunk driver rap. Well done. Man faces court for soaking kids. A motorist is facing prosecution for drenching school kids by driving through a puddle. They've got a brilliant picture here. It's a picture of a car hitting a puddle, OK? And the caption is, splash, a car hits puddle. Oh, th- thanks for highlighting. I, I couldn't have worked out what that, that was. Now, as we were talking about that, Catherine rushed in. You rushed in, didn't you? Well, we had a call from the boss, <clears throat> Uh-oh, which, of course, uh-oh. usually can only mean one thing. Yeah. So I started to get your coat for you, yeah. but she said, no, there's a relevant letter, oh. which is why I dashed upstairs to get it. Uh, this is uh, from Lorna Barwell, brackets, Miss. Uh, dear sir or madam, I wonder if I could suggest a subject for discussion on your... And this is an actual letter. This is on paper. If I could uh, suggest a subject for discussion on your radio programme. It's all, all of the, the ley lines are co- co- connecting here, crossing. When it rains, as it has done for so long, flooding the roads, mostly because the drains are not cleared, traffic driving through the lakes of water at the side of the road often drench those walking along the path or waiting for a bus. The majority of large lorry drivers are gentlemen. Well, you would know, Catherine, you are the um, pin-up for yeah. truckers. Yep. Shaka. Trucker sweethearts. And try to avoid the water or slow down. But many car drivers and van drivers enjoy driving through it at speed, drenching one. Drenching many? one what? Well, uh, yeah, I would say many. I've seen people doing this. It is a criminal offence to do this, and I wonder if you could point this out to listeners of your programme. Many thanks, uh, uh, Lorna. Oh, well, brackets, miss. I've seen people do this, and this is one of the things I'm really conscious about. Uh, if I'm driving and there are puddles and there are people, I will slow down, I will swerve around But if, equally, if I'm waiting at the side of the road and I see that there's a puddle there, I step back. Yeah, yeah. I don't stand right to the road because you're kind of asking for it. As I was, really, are people that peevish? As I was driving in last week, I accidentally went through a pothole. It's a pothole, so I didn't know there was water in it. And I splashed a little bit of water on some hoodie <gasps> who was walking past at five minutes past five in the morning, probably up to no good, maybe doing a drug deal or going home from a, a burglary or pimping or something. Or maybe his ears were just cold. And uh, he gave me the filthiest, filthiest look. So I drove on quickly, but I, I do. It, it's happening, Kelly. It must happen to you. You must get. You must almost drown. You're so tiny when they do this to you. 
Uh, it's never happened to me. Oh. Touchwood. However, the water would go over her head. Time, yeah. Once upon a time, somebody uh, drove up to the curb and said, "Excuse me." Do you, can you tell me where such and such is? And just as I went to tell them, they squirted me with water pistols and then drove off. Oh, mean. But wow. it was really hot summer's day. I won. Yeah, it could have been acid in there. No, it's just water. Are you sure it was water? Yeah. We used to think when I was... I remember years ago being in Birmingham and um, we were trying to find somewhere. Sorry? We'll do the swear update in a minute. Did you just do one? No, I didn't. Uh, we, and me and my friend, we would stop and I, I was driving... And he would ask someone where this place was. And I would, as the bloke was going, yeah, what you do, I would drive off. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend, the first time my friend went, yeah, that's brilliant. All right, seriously, we need to find, so second time, yeah, are you go- I drove off. And he's like, Ian, it's quite funny, but we've done it twice. We really need to find this place. <laughs> I did it seven times. Seven times. That's not like you. He was oh, furious. It, thank you. You see? There we go. We should hang out more. No. Oh, wait, four, no, not at all. Four, five, nine, four, they're never going to happen at all. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 northbound, slow between seven for Hemel Hempstead and nine for Redbourne after an accident earlier on. And London bound, still struggling between ten for Luton Airport and seven for Hemel Hempstead, again because of an earlier accident. In Watford, Rickmansworth Road is blocked at Hagden Lane after an accident. The A5 southbound struggling going through Margate, Markgate sorry, on the speed sensors. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. If only you, you could hear the conversations, as some of the staff members can, that we have um, while other bits and pieces are happening on the show. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, the Daily Mail would have a field day. It's 8.16. It's Thursday the 23rd of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Children's A&E is back up and running at Bedford Hospital as of today. A call for Bedfordshire police to wear body cameras has uh, received the backing of Luton Council. In football, Sunderland will play Manchester City in the League Cup final after winning a semi-final penalty shootout against Man United. It sounds thrilling, doesn't it? Uh, the weather, sunny intervals and heavy showers. 08459455. BBC Three Counties Radio. This afternoon, I'll be live at the end of an era. Today, the 10th of July, 1963. I declare this town hall open. Bedford's town hall is due to be demolished from Monday. The council have approved plans for major redevelopments across the town centre. I'll be one of the last people in there before it's taken apart brick by brick. I don't see concrete tower blocks as being an attractive addition to Bedford. I'll bring you the history why it's happening and what the future holds for the site. Personally, I think any adventure which is going to bring football into town is a good thing. Listen from three this afternoon as I'm live from Bedford Town Hall. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. He's here, Jonathan Vaughan Smith. Vaughan Smith? Did you not hear the caller earlier? No, I didn't hear Vaughan Smith, no. No, we had, uh, we had, uh, was it Gary? I think it was Gary who called in. He's a big fan of the station, doesn't like the fella after you, but I think that's unfair. We all like Nick Coffer here. Um, big fan of yours. He's even phoned you up once. Really? And we're talking about cycling on the pavement, and he said, well, I was listening to that Jonathan Vaughan Smith. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, Jonathan Vaughan Smith, and uh, he basically says you're allowed to ride, ride on the pavement. No, I did not. He, well... <laughs> 
whoever that man was, is completely wrong. Hang on a second. Listen, he's a big fan. He listens five days a week to you. What do you mean? He doesn't listen hard enough. He's spoken to you on the phone about something. I about don't his... care. He needs to clean his ears out. He's misheard. Okay, well, let, let me ask you. If I had my way, I'd jet wash cyclists who cycle on the pavement. Wowzers. So let's just clear this up, Mr Vaughan Smith. <laughs> Are cyclists allowed to ride on the pavement, yay or no? No. You sure? They, they shouldn't be. Right. They do. There's a law that says they shouldn't. Do the police turn a blind eye? Yes, they do. Okay. I don't think they should ride on the, on the pavements. I think that, that is, uh, is, is dangerous. Do you know, years ago I was working at another radio station. I had a phone call and it was absolutely heartbreaking. It was from a little old lady. Yeah. She was in her 80s and she stepped out of her front gate, the front of her house, and there was a young guy on a mountain bike mm. tearing past. And she came out and he went straight into the back of her oh. and she fell flat on her face. Oh. And she broke her arm. Oh, no. She, her whole face was all bruised. And the guy just cycled off. Oh, dearie me. He must have hit her about 20 miles an hour. And she Incredible. phoned in to say, this is what happens mm. when you cycle on the pavement. Please don't do it, everyone. And she was such a sweet little old lady, and that stuck with me. And I think people really need to think about that. Speaking of sweet little old ladies, mm. the mo- the, one of the saddest stories you've done on your uh, Consumer Hour is the poor old lady who burst... I, don't, I can't remember her name, but she burst into tears. Brenda. Brenda. I've been such a fool, Jonathan. Oh, goodness. She gave some money to some chances. She's lent, she's lent £380 to a couple Horrible. in Milton Keynes, mm. and this couple promised they'd pay it back. They haven't. Mm. Um, I, have, I have been trying to speak to this couple. I phoned them yesterday afternoon. Mm. I don't know if you've heard the... I recorded the conversation. Oh, no, I've not heard that. And it's on our Facebook page, BBC 3CR. Oh, well, on I'll have Facebook. To start with, when I, I'll i tell the full story later yeah, on. Yeah, of course, but, of course. But, but these people, they just don't care. Shocking. They don't care. And the the illustration on the Facebook page demonstrates how, how funny they seem to find it. Yeah, I bet That they, they are now being pursued for this money. They, they find it funny. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. I will have a little listen to that, and I look forward to hearing about it later on in the show. That poor woman. Poor yeah. woman. Anyway, that's coming up at 11. What's coming up at 9? Coming up on the big phone in this morning at 9, I'm asking, is the government right to carry on cutting benefits? Ian Duncan-Smith will announce today that the government will stop benefit Street Britain and it'll make the country great again. The Work and Pension Secretary will cite statistics from the Bank of England which suggests benefit cuts are pushing people back into work. The Conservatives plan to put welfare changes at the heart of their 2015 election manifesto to rid the UK of ghettos where nobody works. In his speech later today, Ian Duncan Smith will say that even if the country were not in debt, he'd still want to reform the welfare state and cut benefits. Well, this morning from nine, I want your views. Is the government right to carry on cutting benefits? Um, certainly, when you watch the programme Benefit Street, have you seen it? I've not seen it, no. I've read about it, but I, I, I don't think I'd like it. It's ever so depressing. Yeah. It's ever so... For so many reasons. I mean, this week, I was most appalled at just the, the language in front of the children. Mm. You know, these children, small children, and the parents are effing and blinding, and it's just just horrible and you think oh for goodness sake look you don't have to use that kind of language around small mm. children how on earth are they going to grow up um but it is quite a depressing program but other people are saying look this is not fair this program is not representative yeah. of people on the benefit system and when you when you watch that program and then you hear someone like ian duncan smith say you know we're going to carry on cutting benefits we're going to stop these kinds of people mm. from living this kind of life it sounds quite attractive doesn't it but if 
if these people on Benefit Street are not representative of generally people on the welfare state, yep. and if the government carry on cutting benefits, then how hard is it going to hurt people? Mm. I want your views, your stories. Is the government right to carry on cutting benefits? 08459 455 555. It's the big phone-in at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Do go and have a look at, uh, listen to that clip that we were talking about with JVS, uh, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CI. One of those stories, you just get so angry. This poor old dear. They've nicked 380 quid off her, basically. It's the saddest thing. And she almost bursts into tears when but, she's talking to Jonathan. And it started so gradually. Yeah. We'll do you a favour. We'll do this for you. And then she... Oh, it's just awful. Slackers. Do that. Slackers. Well, 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 we'll certainly have a look at that and, um, uh, and uh, listen to Jonathan later on. Right. Uh, Bobak, stay there. We'll come to you in a second, but I want to get to Justin and Jim first. Uh, Lutonborough Council is backing for uh, calls for all police officers in Bedfordshire to wear body cameras. The Justice for Leon group, which was formed after the death of Leon Briggs, who died in police custody in November, have described it as an historic moment. Bedfordshire Police is already trialling body cams, but they don't have to be continuously switched on. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about asking what people think. Morning, Just. Hello, Ian. What if, what's, uh, the, I can't think of an argument against this. Mm. I know what you're saying, but um, certainly the views on the streets are, are mixed. I've been asking people this morning if they think these police cameras are a good idea. Here's what people had to say. No, not really, because you, if, unless they've got a good reason to stop you, then I can't... I can't see why they have to film everything because it's taken away your privacy, really. So, Paul, how would you feel about the police wearing cameras? When they stop me and uh, they want to know what's going on, I prefer to, uh, to, to be recorded. You prefer to be recorded? Yeah, for, for our safety, so that they know what the police are saying to me, what I'm saying to the police. Stuff happens, you know, uh, there can be miscommunications and, uh, you know, anything can go down. So for everyone's benefit, the police and yours, uh, ways of proving things, if the police were recording... The evidence is there, isn't it? Yes. I mean, they do that in the States. The, the police record you when they pull you over, like, you know, driving and stuff like that. They do, they, I mean, they do that. So they bring that in court, and, uh, and, and then again, that makes the police be aware of uh, what they say to you. Now, Thomas, you've been stopped by the police for, for quite simply wearing a hoodie. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So when they stopped you, they said what? What am I up to? Where am I going? And you've done nothing wrong? No. Okay. So how would you have felt then if that conversation was being recorded by the police? How would that make you feel? A bit intimidating. What's your trust like in the police at this moment in time? Do you trust the police force locally? Um, 50-50. Obviously there's good people and there's bad people and that's the same with the police as well. There'll be bad police and good police. Well, thank you for that, Justin. I'm joined now by Chief Superintendent Jim Saunders, who's been heading up this body cam trial. Jim, is... Trust and faith in police, I would suggest, is at an all-time low. Is this trial, are these cameras going to change that, do you think? Well, I think it would be fair to say that due to uh, a lot of, you know, certainly some national issues, um, yes, the, the, the confidence in the police has, has taken a knock. Um, the the body-worn video camera, I mean, just from a Bedfordshire police point of view, you know, we've always been very supportive of the use of body-worn video, uh, which is the why, why we've been trying this. Uh, we actually started back in, in May 2013, actually looking at a, a camera. And then more formally, in November of this uh, 2013, we started testing two different types of camera uh, out in Luton. Uh, we've got six cameras out there being tested. Um, and we're looking also at the back office software around that. I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, the feedback we get from officers, that they're, they're very um, happy to wear body-worn video. 
it gives them some protection, it helps them to record evidence. Um, so there's some benefits there. Um, from a public point of view, clearly, um, you know, there, there is an issue with confidence, as we've just touched on. I think it's certainly going to help that. Um, you know, we mustn't hide the fact that you know some officers, uh, you know, have been and are in civil to members of the public. Jim, how does this trial work? Do the police determine when and when they switch the cameras on and when they switch them off? Well, well this is one of the issues with it. Uh, you know, some people suggesting that we should be recording every single interaction, uh, and in fact, the camera should be on full time. That is not the view. That the national guidance doesn't say that. But then I mean, that's flawed, isn't it? If, if, if people aren't trusting the police and the police are deciding what they film and what they don't film, then that can't work, can it? Well, on, on the other hand, as you, you've heard this morning from a number of your, your listeners there, do, do the majority of members of the public want every single interaction between a police officer well, and a member of the public? You, you've you answered the question with the question, Jim. Go back to, to the question I put to you. If the police aren't trusted and they are, they are deciding what they film and what they don't film, then it can't work. Uh, well, I, I would disagree with that, because the alternative is, as you say, is that every single thing is recorded. Now, that raises another... That's, that's not the alternative. The, another, your... the, another alternative would be the moment they start having contact with someone, they record it. So, I see what you're doing. You're deflecting with another question. Just answer this, though, please, Jim. If the police aren't trusted, and if, as we know, the police have done some things that they would rather the public didn't know, if the police are deciding what they record and what they don't record, uh, that just will not work, will it? That will not restore faith in the police service, uh, and it will mean that corrupt officers can still be corrupt. Well, no, as I say, I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, police officers, uh, the vast majority of police officers are, are, are very hard-working, very efficient, loyal... Uh, yeah, and I'm not denying that, but let's let's talk about Plebgate then. If the police cameras, if the, the police could have decided to film that or not film that, if they'd have filmed the whole incident, then we would know exactly what had happened. Instead, some police officers lied. Well, a, a police officer who wasn't at the scene lied. There's no suggestion. But that if, the it police officer, filmed, if it had been filmed, if it had been filmed, we'd no know. Suggestion that the police officer involved in the incident actually but lied. But if it had been filmed, we would have known exactly what what would have happened. And yeah. that police officer, his his lie, we would have known he lied straight away. Yeah, I, I agree. And the point there is 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 that this this equipment will allow you to record if they choose to. The, the question is, does every so let's let's take an example. If an officer goes to uh, deal with a burglary at someone's house. Um, so a member of public reporting that, does that member of public want the police officer coming into their house recording that interaction? I don't know if they do. Well, have you asked anybody? Well, no. Well, then, ha- then you, you have them, no idea, I'm, Jim, do you? You have no idea. Maybe you, should, maybe you should conduct a survey and ask people. Well, maybe we should, and maybe, and as, you know, the point I'm making here, there's, there's a... I'm surprised you haven't. If you're, do, if, this, if you're heading up the body cam trial, I'm surprised you haven't spoken to, to the public and to victims of crime. Well, we, we, ha- we have consulted groups, uh, our independent advisory group, for example. Have and, they spoken the to the public and victims of crime? And if you let me finish, the evaluation is not yet complete. So have so they we're, spoken we're to... testing the equipment. Have, the, they spoken, the equipment have they spoken to the public and, and victims of crime? If you, if you just allow me to finish it... If you can answer you that question, question, we'll answer it. That we are testing the cameras in terms of whether the cameras actually work properly, if the back office facilities work okay. properly... you made that point. What we will, what we Have they do, spoken to the, vic- to, to the sorry, public I, and I victims of crime? I can't finish the question you're asking me. Well, because you uh, keep avoiding it, Jim. Just answer it. I'm not it. avoiding it. I'm not avoiding it at all. The question is, have, they, have you spoken to the public or victims of crime, yes or no? We, we, of course, officers speak to members of the public and victims of crime every single day. Jim, you're, you're, now you're just being obtuse. In regards to the body cam trial, which you are heading up, have you spoken to the public 
or victims of crime regarding this specific trial? Yes or no? We have not done a specific study. There we go. That's all we wanted. If you let me finish, we're involved in a national piece of work. We're also working with Cambridge University in terms of a a study. So we haven't done it specifically yet, but we will be doing that. To be honest, then you can't bring up examples of people who've had their houses burgled. Would they want their uh, property filmed? You can't bring that up as a a potential problem if you've not spoken to those people. And I would suggest if you're heading up... I can, because I'm I, a member of the public the same as you I would are. suggest, and if I you're heard... heading up... Well, you're a chief in, in superintendent, so you're going to come from the police point of view. I would suggest, if you're heading up a body cam trial, and you're going to use examples like that as, why, as to why police officers can choose what they film and what they don't film, I would suggest you go and talk to the public and victims of crime and get their well, opinion. As, as I said, I'm not using that as an example of why... I'm, I pose that as a question. Yeah, OK. And there's lots of other examples I've, I could use in relation to that. So going back to the point here, we are trying these cameras. We will consult with members of the public. We want to do what is right for the public, which is why we're actually looking at this equipment anyway. There are, there are lots of benefits for the police and, and for the public. We know that, uh, for example, we get reduced complaints of uh, incivility, reduced complaints uh, of inappropriate behaviour by police officers. But equally, uh, we get less assaults on police officers and we get better conviction rates at court because the evidence is already secured on the video. So we're not against this. We're, at, we're actually pushing this. Jim, we've got to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. Chief Superintendent Jim Saunders. Sorry to push you, Jim, but I, it does annoy me when people will fudge an answer. Just answer the question. And you did eventually. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. 8.32. We're a bit late. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M1 northbound still slow between Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead and 9 for Redbourne because of an accident. Same goes for the London-bound M1. That's struggling between 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. There are problems in Elstree. The A411 is closed between the High Street and Deacons Hill Road for road works. That caused some delays yesterday and it's doing the same today with severe delays on the surrounding routes. We've had an update from Jennifer and it's taking an hour to get us out of Boreham Wood there. Watford Rickmansworth Road is blocked at Hagden Lane following an accident. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.33. I'm Jane Killick. Children requiring emergency treatment can now go to Bedford Hospital's A&E as services begin to return to normal. Since the closure of the paediatric unit last year, children have had to be taken to Milton Keynes or Luton and Dunstable hospitals. Luton Borough Council is backing calls for all police officers in Bedfordshire to wear body cameras. A campaign group formed after the death of Luton man in police custody says it's an historic moment. A 64-year-old woman from Bedford who's been evicted from her home for not paying council tax insists she will get her house back. Marilyn Robinson-White and her daughter, who've run up legal bills of £50,000 fighting the council, have now spent more than two weeks in a tent. The weather, a band of heavy showers will arrive during the morning but will leave by afternoon to give a mix of sunny spells and showers with a high of 8 Celsius. On to sport and in football, Sunderland will play Manchester City in the League Cup final after winning an extraordinary semi-final penalty shootout against Manchester United. The second leg at Old Trafford finished 2-1 to United after the teams exchanged goals in the last minute of extra time with the tie ending 3-3 on aggregate. Gus Poyer is Sunderland manager. It was a different game to manage. It was a game that we knew that we needed to try to win it or draw the game. 
Uh, we were one nil down. Sometimes you throw everything there and you lose the game and you're out. So we needed to manage to stay in the game. You know, try to be positive as well. So it wasn't easy. Not one of the easiest games to manage, but at the end, I think the players responded very well. Meanwhile, United have had a £37 million offer accepted by Chelsea for Spanish midfielder Juan Mata, who's due to have a medical today. Wilfried Zaha is expected to leave Old Trafford to join Cardiff on loan for the rest of the season. In tennis, Lee Na and Dominika Siebelkova will contest the women's final at the Australian Open. And in cricket, in Melbourne, England's women are attempting to retain the Ashes with a win in the second one-day international against Australia. Australia chose to bat and sent England a target of 267. In reply, England were 13 for one after six overs a short while ago. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459455555 is the telephone number. Lots to talk about. Catherine and I are giving a talk. I don't want to say the word lecture, but really it's a lecture. To the uh, kids at the University of Beds, which I imagine is a bit like um, the kids from Fame. Oh, very much so. They'll be all be in leg warmers and uh, hot pants, and they'll be uh, up dancing uh, on the tables before yeah. we can say um, yeah. f- five, not- six, seven, eight. <laughs> so we were talking about that. If you've got any suggestions on what we can tell them, I've got literally no idea. When people say, "How did you get into radio?" Well, I did a television show, and then I walked into a radio station. So that's my routine. Um, how do you do radio? <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't know. How do you do radio, Catherine? Well, I went to university, did French and Spanish, and learned how to oh. write. Right. Ah, yes, that's the truth. And then I wrote some magazine articles. Oh. And then when Bella? I Bella. No, the university magazine. Oh. And then um, when I left university, I went and did loads of work experience at different outlets, news outlets. Yeah. Then I did a postgraduate in broadcast journalism. Gosh, these kids are yeah, going to be. Yeah, they're going to love this. It's the hard way, I'm afraid. Yeah. The hard way or the highway. What is that a saying? Kelly, how did you get into radio? Um, I, what, from after uni? So I went to college and then uni. And then I rang around every you did, single... You did that, you did a girl's thing. I went to college and uni. uni. And, and then I <laughs> rang around every single radio station that I could think of, phoned, emailed, yeah. went in. Actually, that is really good advice. Just not here. Is we're full. Is is keep trying and don't take no for an answer. Exactly. And no doesn't mean no forever. It just means no now. So give them a ring a bit after that. And I pestered for work experience, and they kept saying no. And I pestered and pestered, pestered, pestered. Finally got a week, and then I didn't leave. Just not here. I'm still here. We're full. I'm still here after that week. I know, and we need to talk about that, Kelly. I know. Are they paying you yet? Yep. Wowzers. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're talking about. Oh oh, we've got to do the swear box update. Sorry, I promised it an hour ago and I forgot to do it. We are. We have a swear box here. Catherine, uh, Kelly, Justin, and myself have all agreed fifty pence per swear. Whatever the severity of the swear, uh, the money will probably go to Tourette's charity. We're going to get them on tomorrow and um, find Ask out. Ask if they would accept it. Say if they'll take it. What's the tally so far? The tally so far on day two. It's only yeah, day, day two. two. Wowzers. I feel a bit ashamed, but most of my swears are very mild and I don't think they should be 50 peers. Anyway, Kelly... R- rugger, is definite, rugger is definitely a swear word. And glass. Yeah, we go. Ooh. And Glass or glass? Well... Glass. I don't pronounce that particular word okay. that way. Um, Kelly, 
three swears. Wow. She owes yes. £1.50 to the swear box. She's finding it the hardest, but she's doing the Woo! best. Yeah, she's doing the best by not talking as much. Yeah. And by breathing funny. Yeah, because normally she is the one. Yeah. She is the one. Honestly, yeah. I, she'd make a docker blush. Bo- potty mouth bets, we call her. Ian Lee. Hello. You're now in third place. Oh, sweet as a nut. Seven. <laughs> £3.50. Beautiful. I am uh, in second place yeah, with yeah. nine very mild. I wow. mean, to call them swear words You're is, is stretching it a little You're, bit. Um, would you kiss your children with that mouth? £4.50. Well, who's in the lead then? <laughs> do, do, need we ask? Who's left? Need we ask? It's Jonathan. It's uh, <laughs> Jonathan Vaughan Smith. <laughs> it's Justin Dealey with twenty-five swears. That's twelve pound fifty. And remember, we don't see him that much in the mornings, do and we? Also, we spend the whole morning together. Yeah. He's out on his own. Yeah. This is him out on his own, yeah. censoring himself yeah. as well. And this doesn't include the rest of. The- Throughout the rest of the, de- the I well, don't know whether you can say that someone who mutters three things in the space of a second is censoring anything. <laughs> he, but did. he doesn't even notice. And also, we only have his word that he didn't swear in the daytime yesterday. He doesn't hear himself swearing. Yeah, yeah. We need to get other people. So we need to get his mum yeah. on swear watch. Yeah. His. Can we speak uh, to his mum tomorrow? Oh, I'd love to. I would love to. Let's get let's mom. get Jay Dizzle's mum on the show tomorrow and let's Do find out. Get like, to put the right, iron down. Hello. How's it going? All right, boy. All right, loves. All right, bruv. Let's get. Let's see if we can get her on the show tomorrow and find out exactly how many swears he did yesterday and today, please. Okay. Can we do that? One of the swears was about eggs, wasn't it? They had a, they had a row over an egg roll. He said, he said he swore ten times while he was having an egg roll with his mum. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you've seen Justin Dealey out and about using potty language, indoor language, then uh, do give us a call. On the subject of the police wearing body cams, Matt's in Hitchin. Morning, Matt. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. What would you like to say? Um, I, I think it should be a compulsory thing, to be honest. The, the, the idea of being able to switch them on and switch them off, it just wouldn't work. Well, that's, you know? that's, that seems to me to be the flaw. We spoke to Jim Saunders there, and he, he seemed reluctant to answer a couple of questions. That seems to me to be a big flaw. If there are corrupt police, which there are, a tiny, tiny percentage, but there are, we know, then they'll be corrupt because they will be choosing when to turn the camera off and when to turn it on. Correct, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not going to... If, if something's gone wrong that you don't want to go wrong, you're not going to want the camera on, are you? Yeah. Simple as that. So the whole argument of having them switched on and off just doesn't, doesn't work. And it is, you know, and also you, you have them on because we do hear stories of the police speaking disrespectfully to people when they stop them. We've all heard stories of that. Yeah. Uh, and also the, the more serious incidents like the deaths that we've heard about in police custody. Yes, yes. Well, I do know someone that actually died in uh, police custody um, through the restraints and, and everything else that happened. And uh, it, it, it's been a nightmare, really, for the family because the police are constantly changing their story on what happened. You know, you, you can read all their different reports for um, for the events of the day and each time it comes to court or a new investigation is done, the story's Now, don't give us any names yeah. or anything like that, because, you know, if, it's, if there's a case going on, we can't get into that. But do, no, you, do you think, if the police had worn body cameras, that your friend, A, wouldn't have died, or B, if they had died, that, that this would have been sorted out a lot quicker? Oh, most definitely, yeah. I mean, this is going on for three or four years now, this, this has happened. So, uh, yeah, the, the whole outcome of it would have been transparent if the cameras had been there. Everyone would have known right from the outset what had happened. Matt, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much indeed. And this, uh, if you heard, we'll, we'll put it in the podcast, but when we were speaking to uh, 
um, uh, Jim Saunders, who is a uh, chief superintendent, he's heading up the body cam trial. He seemed to think it acceptable that the police could decide what to film and what not to film. And it doesn't work, does it? That can't work. The plebgate thing. That wouldn't have happened if the policeman had been wearing a camera and it filmed everything. Because you've got one copper saying one thing, you've got an MP saying something else, let's get the tape, shall we? All right, you, you did a bit, you did a bit. You'd be able to sort it out straight away, immediately. People wouldn't have lost their jobs as a result of what happened. People wouldn't have their names uh, muddied in the newspapers because of what had or had not happened. If the police are going to do it, they have to have it turned on all the time. 08459 Cycling on the pavements. Paul in Milton Keynes. Morning, Paul. Morning. Should we allow people to cycle on the pavements? I think with children, yes, because I, I think, you know, the roads are so littered with parked cars now, you know, where you're ducking in and out, uh, etc. Um, yeah, d- definitely. Anything that encourages children to cycle to school. I mean, apparently in Germany, I haven't been there for years, but on the radio the other day I heard that, that cycling is allowed. In fact, it's encouraged, and it's hard to believe, but, de- but pedestrians apparently have to give way to cyclists. But, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, the roads are so dangerous, aren't they now? You know? I, I, I agree. I think kids up to, let me think, the age of 12 should be allowed on the pavements, yeah. as long as they're sensible. I don't know about adults, though. I mean, we've heard some horrible stories this morning, Paul, about, uh, you know, Jonathan Vaughan-Smith was telling us about an old lady who'd been knocked down. Yeah. Uh, we had a fella phone up, his guide dog had been ridden into. Yeah, I think maybe there should be a law saying that people shouldn't wear these earphone things when they're cycling, because I think, you know, especially on the pavement, maybe you could say, OK, well, you, you know, cycle. I mean, I go down Buckingham Road in Bletchley sometimes in the rush hour, and the road is so narrow, and the traffic backs up badly there sometimes. I mean, you've either got the choice of going down the middle of the road, if I've got my reflective jacket on, I do that, but otherwise, what do I do? Get off, push it along the pavement for, you know, a mile or something, or, you know, it's, you can't go on the inside because there's no room between the pavement and the car. You've just it's- raised something very, very important, and it's cyclists, a significant number of cyclists do it, some drivers do it. What are you doing wearing headphones for? You can't wear headphones or if you're riding a bicycle or driving a car, you muppets. You need to be able to hear everything. Yeah, it's quite right. That gets on my nerves, Paul. Thank you for that. Oh, that's a bugbear of mine. It's mainly cyclists. It's not all of them. I'm not bashing bicycles. But some car drivers do it as well. Headphones on. I saw a fella text him while he was on a bike the other day. You're having a laugh. 08459 455 555. What I like is when they're cycling and smoking. <laughs> that does look cool. It's a conflicting message, though, isn't it? That does look cool. You gonna, what are you doing? I'm just looking at the swear chart. Anything happened in the last few minutes? Nope. OK. We need to speak to D- Jay Dizzle's mum, Mrs Dizzle. I think we may be only getting half the picture. Yeah, I, I can't believe he went a whole day yesterday without swearing. Bearing in mind, he did three this morning, and when I said that's pound fifty, he went, what? What? Oh, no! They just fall out, don't they? Yeah, they fall out like... Um, Pellets from a rabbit. An owl? Do rabbits do pellets? Yeah. Yeah, we need to work on this. Yeah, let's work on that. Let's get the travel first. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
There are roadworks causing severe delays in Elstree on the A411 Barnet Lane. It's closed between High Street and Deacons Hill Road for roadworks and we had an update from Jennifer taking about an hour to get out of Boreham Wood. In Watford, Rickmansworth Lane is blocked at Hagden Lane because of an accident. There are also long delays on the speed sensors on the A41 in Kings Langley southbound approaching the M25. The M1 London bound still very slow between 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. 8.46. It's Thursday the 23rd of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Children's A&E is back up and running at Bedford Hospital as of today. A call for Bedfordshire police to wear body cameras has received the backing of Luton Council. In football, Sunderland will play Manchester City in the League Cup after winning a semi-final penalty shootout against Manchester United. There are 13 minutes of the show left. If you want to give me a call, I've got two free lines. Now is the best time to call 08459 455555. Maybe we'll speak to you after the weather with Elizabeth. Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hi, good morning again, Ian. Well, here we go. We've got the showers pushing into western areas of Buckinghamshire. Beds and hearts still dry. The showers won't last too long, but uh, they might turn a bit heavy in places. And we've got some squally gusts of wind around as well. Um, but much drier by the late morning, around lunchtime. Yeah, completely dry just about everywhere. Sunny spells through the afternoon. Top temperatures of 7 degrees. That's 45 in Fahrenheit. Overnight tonight, it's going to be dry, but it'll also be cold and frosty with temperatures hold, hovering around or just below freezing. Uh, good ground frost, I think, tonight. Perhaps even a bit of air frost in the rural spots. And then tomorrow, quite grey and cold. Lots of low cloud around. And we'll see outbreaks of light patchy rain on and off for much of the day, I'm afraid, particularly through the afternoon and into the evening. For the weekend, Saturday's probably the better-looking day. That front will clear. It'll be quite cool and blustery. Perhaps the odd shower here and there. Very wet and very windy on Sunday. That's the forecast. Nick Coffer, across beds, hearts and bucks. Tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to be sampling the delights of St Albans. I'll be based at the Courtyard Cafe and be joined by local poetry group Ver Poets. I'll find out what team honk is and I'll speak to a mother of two who's in the final of a modelling competition. Plus, there'll be live music from St Albans Ukulele Orchestra. Across beds, hearts and bucks. Come down and say hello tomorrow from midday. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm old enough. I'm old enough to get the Cliff Huxtable reference. Thank you very much indeed. Glenn's in Leighton Buzzard. Good morning, Glenn. Morning, Ian. Glenn, what you got for me, sir? Cyclist. Yes. I think they should have an insurance policy if they're going to ride on the pavement. Oh. Because I would not be very happy if a cyclist hit me and then I was laid off work. Because I can't claim anything off anybody. Glenn, you're a truck driver, aren't you? No, no, no. Oh, what do you, no. what do you, what do you, what do you do? I drive a car. Okay. I'm a sales manager, and I'm, I'm so you're in your and car. I drive, right? I drive from Northampton to Leighton Buzzard every day. Okay, right. What do you think? Are they a nuisance on the roads where you drive? No, I don't see them because I'm on major roads. Yeah, okay. It's either the M1 or the A5, A508. So. Uh, but it's around town centres that you see a lot of it, um, where the, the roads are bad and, and people are forced onto the, the pavement. But my wife was knocked off her bike twice in a space of three months. 
Um, one was the driver wasn't insured in the car. And the, the other one uh, was insured, and, and she did claim. And she said to me now that I can't ride a bike on the on the path and, on the main road anymore. Now mm. I have to ride on the road on the pavements. Um, but they, they, what my point is is that there are some careless uh, cyclists, not all of them, that a don't wear any visibility, they don't wear any lights, uh, and if they hit you and, and you're you're off work through the injuries. You, you've got no claim. You can't claim against them for any sort of compensation. Glenn, thank you very much indeed. And uh, But please don't think. I know we lost Dave earlier on. Um, he, he switched to another radio station. He didn't pass away. Don't panic. Uh, it, it's not been a cyclist knocking show this morning. I always try and avoid knocking the cyclist, particularly when I'm in my car. It's a joke. Uh, I, I think we've been rather generous to the cyclists this morning. And there are some terrible cyclists, there are some terrible car drivers, some terrible lorry drivers, some really bad bus drivers. Don't get me started on that. But cyclists riding on pavements, it can't be, it can't be a sensible idea. 08459 455 555. Now, uh, later on today at 10 o'clock this morning, Catherine Boyle and myself will be giving a lecture to the broadcasters of the future. Is that just because they've been listening to us on Radio 4? Is that just because Jim Nocte said no? I think he is a very busy man. Yep, yep. Yeah, he did. Yep, yeah, he said no. OK, and they just ran the corner from us. So, we, so we're going. The thing is, I'm looking forward to it. The thing is, got no idea what to say. No idea what to say at all. Now, Justin. Morning, boss. You must be jealous they didn't ask you. No, no, no. What? I'm fine, I'm busy. I've got stuff to do. What? I'm a busy broadcaster, you know. <laughs> I'm preparing for tomorrow, unlike you. Just saying. You've been out... You wait till I speak to Maz. You've been out and about asking people what Catherine and I can talk about. Yes, um, you're doing this speech on what makes great radio, aren't you? Yeah, something at, like that. At the University of Bedfordshire. Yeah. Well, Ian... Looking forward to it. Yes. I have actually been to the university this morning oh. to see how preparations are going oh. and to find out what people think makes great radio. I think you might enjoy this. Here's what happened. Listen to this. Alex, good morning. You are polishing the floors. Yes. Are you doing that because Ian Lee is going to be here later on? Who? I'm here with one of the students, Simon. You're actually excited about seeing Ian Lee, aren't you? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, used to listen to him all the time on the radio, but, you know, it'd be good to actually meet him. He's, he's an interesting character. What do you think makes great radio? Um, good speaking voice. Good speaking voice and personality. Gordon, Ian Lee's going to be here later on. He's uh, going to be talking to the students about what makes great radio, but he doesn't really know how to make great radio. So what do you think makes great radio yourself? Relevance, um, to the point, being concise and, uh, and entertainment. I'm now in the catering department. Madam, Ian Lee's going to be here later. Who is he? I'm normally Radio 1 myself. Oh, right, OK. You look a bit too old for Radio 1. Now you can go. <laughs> See ya. So, good morning. I'm here with the uh, security man. Is security going to be tight today because Ian Lee's going to be here? Uh, no comment. I can't really talk about security issues or anything. You have to speak to my manager. Is it going to be tight, yes or no? I can't say anything. I don't... I can't comment on it. Robert, good morning. Can I have some feedback on Ian Lee, please? He's a brilliant guy. He's funny. And he gives you a lot of good advice. When was the last piece of advice that he gave that, that you thought, wow... That's right up there. The last piece of advice that I can remember was a couple of weeks back, which was, if in doubt, be yourself. 
Yeah, good advice. Just lastly, what do you think makes great radio? Great tunes, great atmosphere, and also the right buzz, you know? And Ian's got that buzz. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, there's nothing more than just sitting down, having a good old, you know, think, and just thinking, wow. You know, we need more people like him out there. Yes. He's definitely got the right radio station. Mm. Yeah. Touch me. Why not? Yeah, you see, you see, Justin, you he thought knows. you were going to get loads of people knocking me. No, no, uh, not at all. I have, uh, this, is, this is what I'm famous for, is my buzz. Yeah. <laughs> I am famous for my buzz. This is going, how, wow, yeah, wow. And uh, listen, uh, you can't discuss the security details with the head of security. The, the, in my, written into my rider are very strict security plans <laughs> that have to remain secret. As he said, no comment. What advice would you give to, to anyone wanting to get into radio, Just um, The advice that I would give would be to work very, very hard. That's the first thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? Oh, to, to work hard, and, and when you see the rule book, rip it up. Rip it up, oh, yes. Now, listen. Do you remember when you told management you'd done that? Yeah. They what loved happened? it. Um, well... Is it gardening leave? Um, yeah, it was... Yeah, let's not go there. Let's not mention the suspension. Now, Mm. Justin, very quickly, (laughs) you said that yesterday, during the day, you did no swears whatsoever. Yes, that's true. I don't believe you. Maybe one or two. Right, here we go. Get the pen out. How many are you going to give us? (laughs) Two. Oh, come on. Uh, Let's say 15. Look, look, at the moment... If it's two, it's 22. Come on. Look, please. At the moment, I'm dealing with a property move, which involves estate agents. I'm going to be swearing. swearing. Yes. So, shall we say... Shall we put you down for ten swears yesterday? No, three. Eight. Oh, hang on. It's creeping up now. Eight. Three Three is fair. I'll give you seven. Four. Six and it's a deal. <laughs> five. Let's shake hands on five. Thank okay. you very much, Justin. See you later. Oh yeah, thanks. Dear, Ta-ta. Oh this is five. He's up to 30 squares now. <laughs> He's haggling with us. This is him censoring himself. He's haggling. How many says? We're going to speak to Maz. 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 Maz Daly tomorrow. I've been wanting to speak to Maz Daly for uh, a while. I need to have a word I with... I can't wait. I need to have a word with Justin Daly's mother, and tomorrow it could be the morning. Uh, Bob in Luton. Morning, Bob Ack. Good morning, Ian. So, what have you got for us? Uh, I, I think we shouldn't really encourage the cyclists to go on the pavement, because the last time I looked into the highway coat, uh, cycling on the pavement carries a fine up to £400. Careless cycling carries a fine up to... 1500 dangerous cycling carries a fine up to 2500 but the, so cy- the cycling minister the cycling minister no less robert goodwill wants people to ride on the pavements uh, maybe they should designate an area or a cycle lane on the pavement separately for the cyclists not get them the mix up with pedestrian because probably it was over a year ago i was looking at the fine in the highway code and it clearly says cycling on a pavement can carry a fine up to four or five hundred pounds. So really we should change the highway code or get somebody to reinforce it. Do you ever ride a bicycle, Bobak? Sometimes, summertime, yes. Do you, and you, ride, you ride it on the roads, do you? Oh, yes, I do, yes. Do you listen to headphones to your iPod, your Walkman, as you're cycling along? No, I don't. No, those, those, those people drive me nuts. No, I don't. You know, I really I do it in a quiet area or... You know, when it's a good day, really. I, I do it for pleasure, not... Pleasure? Getting... There's no pleasure in riding a bicycle. I hate it's like it. It's exercise. Oh, but it, all it seems to exercise are my thighs. No, not my thighs. The, the um... What's the thing at the back of the shin called? Uh, I Cut don't... the calf. Yeah, you see... I, and my I'm... bottom. 
Ian, it may surprise you, but I'm a driving instructor. Oh, oh, here we go. Really, I've got a combination of both. I've got all the respect for the cyclists who obey the law, stay in the cycle lane, you know, don't break the law, don't swivel between the cars. Don't swivel, no. Yeah, but I don't respect for the dangerous one. Yeah. They don't do, you know, you're just suddenly turning in a mini roundabout and cyclists come without the stopping going through. It happens to me all the time. Bob, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much uh, indeed. Uh, I, I, all cycling seems to, d- to, to exercise is the calf muscles. That's, that's the back of the shin, isn't it? Yes. And my buttocks. And so after cycling for maybe like a, a, a half a mile, both of those things are... I, mean, I, I get off the bicycle and I can't walk. I have jelly legs. Awful. Um, Janet says, Ian, never mind cyclists on pavements. Children on scooters are just as much of a menace. My friend had to have stitches on her foot as a result of her running with one. They, yeah, they do drive like lunatics, those six-year-olds, don't they? On their scooters. Deary me. Right, let's get... It's coming to 8.59. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Alice Glosser. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Watford, the Rickmansworth Road is blocked at Hagden Lane following an accident. And there are roadworks causing severe delays in Elstree. The A411, that's Barnet Lane, is closed between High Street and Deacons Hill Road. Uh, we had a call from Jennifer earlier. It took her about an hour to get out of Boreham Wood earlier. In Clop Hill, the A6 looking very slow approaching the Clop Hill roundabout at the A507. And the M1 London bound still struggling between 10 for Luton Airport and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. Public transport has no reported problems. I'm Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it. That's your lot, dear listener. We're done. We're now off to educate the youth of Luton. We're going to teach them a thing or two, don't you worry. We'll set them straight on a few issues. JVS is up next until tomorrow at six from me. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday. It's nine o'clock. And on today's big phone-in, is the government right to carry on cutting benefits? Ian Duncan-Smith will announce today that the government...